Worm is a web serial by J.C. McRae, also known as Wildbow. You can read Worm in its original format by visiting parahumans.wordpress.com or donate to Wildbow's Patreon at patreon.com wildbow. This story isn't intended for young or sensitive readers. Readers who are on the lookout for trigger warnings are advised to give Worm a pass. For a complete list, check the description for all of Worm's trigger warnings. Brockton Bay. Wanna grab me that nut? Boy, do I, hot Brian. <laughs> oh. oh, lovely. Mm. Welcome back, everybody. Uh, we are here again. Brockton Bay Book Club going through worm with a bunch of bookworms. There's a there's a tagline in there somewhere. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna work on that. We're gonna work on that. It's there's it's it's there. I can feel it. And we are at uh, arc six now, six arcs into this fantastic web serial. Uh, and we're just going to kind of jump right in here. Uh, the nice thing about this arc is it feels like it, it really does sort of go uh, chapter by chapter pretty smoothly. So let's go ahead and just dive into this. It's going to take us a minute. There's a lot to dive into here. Uh, Hannah, do you have, uh, let's just go with chapter one, kind of break, us, break it down for us. What's the little quick summary here? Yeah, so the big thing in chapter one is finalizing putting down the last of the ABB. Mm. Yeah, this was a fun a fun way to kick off the arc. I love, it feels very montage-y. I don't know if anybody else sort of got yeah. that vibe, but just sort of, it, it felt like this is the little musical montage number to open up the episode. A little bit of banter, a little bit of action, ass-kicking, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I could... I could absolutely see um, this being a moment where they show like scenes maybe of other teams, um, just like little clips of it. And then they focus in on the team that Taylor's on. Um, if this, you know, not to take anything away from the second part of our show, <laughs> but um, if this were a TV show or something, yeah, I could see it highlighting other aspects as well that aren't necessarily shown from Taylor's perspective. But it is very fun. Um, it's a fun little glimpse as well with a few of the other powers that we haven't seen yet. Um, like our boy Gregor, the snail. Yes. Love him. And just love... Uh, now we know, like, not only is his body super viscous and tough, um, but he can also yeah. create chemicals and or, like, hold chemicals in his stomach and then so shoot them weird. out of his hand. It's, it's so like, weird. how do you... And if you have that power, how do you learn that, like... <laughs> Are you like going for a high five one day and you just like cover somebody no. in the milkshake you just had for lunch? <laughs> I imagine that this is like this is the when the transformation fully happens to Toby Maguire in Spider-Man. I was literally like this is what's going on inside his body. 
Well, it makes me think like, okay, so he's shooting this stuff out of his fingers. Like, is it, are we, are we giving like web shooter vibes? Are we like out well, no, of I, each of the tips of his fingers? No, I, think like, I think it's his palm because it said that he, uh, he has to put his other hand in front of his hand, his palm to like, Oh, that's right. He can like you know, manipulate to, to turn it into spray. a spray. Yeah. yeah. It's like one yeah. of his arms, he's like using his, his arm as like a hose and his palm is like the nozzle. I love it. It's great. He's a beautiful man. I'd marry him. <laughs> Wouldn't we all? <laughs> Anyways. Um, but yeah, fun, fun little arc. And of course, I love um, I love the casual conversation between Gru and Taylor as they're like, they're beating up bad guys and he's just like, hey, uh, could you use some help putting some furniture together? You want to come over? Oh, yeah. And he's just like just super, super cash. Whack. Help, me, uh, help me come over and build a table. Whack. And I have this bookshelf too. I need to stay down. Hey, do you have any more zip ties? Like, goddamn. <laughs> Absolutely. Got some new furniture. If that isn't e. romance. I don't know what is. What would it be? Instead of Ikea, it'd be E. Ikea. <laughs> right? For, for Earth, uh, Earth bed, Earth left. Exactly. Uh, well, no, that's why the furniture is so hard to put together. They just don't have Ikea on Earth oh. beta. Oh. After that incident, yeah. got it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Ikea, please sponsor us. Thank you so much. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> did did Taylor add stuff to her costume? Um, I remember this was the first time she had bugs at the ready, which I've been preaching about this whole time. Like, have you have have ammo in the gun, please? Yeah. 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 Did she? Because there's something about she has like the mandibles on her mask now, and I was wondering if I had just missed that before, or if that was a new addition. Don't remember. I don't think it specifies, but it would make sense that it's a new addition because yeah. she's she's kind of growing into the character. So it would make sense that she's sort of adding to her costume at this point. Yeah, she fights realizing like, oh yeah, I'm going to need more armor plating here. Or I'm going to need more, you know, compartments for my bugs. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. Canon in my mind. Yeah. So he does ask her on the awkward date. It's just yeah, a little does. hot Brian, a little awkward flirty moment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like the awkwardness is coming from Taylor. Like Brian is giving, Brian is giving confident, adorable, and Taylor is giving uh, panic teenager. <laughs> <laughs> Valid. As we all would. I mean, face up against Brian, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But like, what a great, like, how do you, how do you say no in that situation too? <laughs> <laughs> well you say no and then he's like oh that's cool 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 and then you see him beating the absolute shit out of some ABB some member ABB like off member. to the side and the guy's oh. like dude I surrendered and he's like fucking won't go on a date with me oh. well help me build a bookshelf <laughs> I'll fucking darkest the shit out of you you racist gang member oh. on a completely unrelated fun idea note we definitely if there isn't already a quiz to see like who you are in their group if are you a lisa are you a brian like we need to take that if that exists exists, we'll we'll report back next time if doesn't somebody please make that (laughs) if it if it doesn't we'll make it yes exactly we're doing this well, that chapter moves pretty quickly. Yeah, uh, as you sort much of to it. sort of wrap that up, and then it's into a uh, hideout setting, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Yes. So I I've grouped chapters two and three together because we're we're back at the hideout, um, and we kind of 
uh, are seeing things getting wrapped up. But then we also move to Brian's place and help him build furniture. And uh, surprise, we get to meet his sister, Aisha. And that's a fun little interaction, her her little interaction with Taylor. So uh, yeah, that's chapters two and three. Yeah, so we get to see, I remember in arc two, we get to see a little bit more of um, just Taylor's attitude towards life at this point. Um, Because she mentions how like, how freeing living without adult supervision is. Yes. Um, And that is a, that's just an interesting contrast. And obviously for her, um, it doesn't really seem like she's, she's just been watched. She feels like she's been watched her whole life by authority figures. And so it's kind of an interesting change where now she's feeling this bit of freedom. She's 16, right? If I'm remembering her age right at this Taylor? point. Uh, yeah. She's 15 still. 15. 15. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. she hasn't gotten a license or anything. I don't even know if they would have a car for her to learn how to drive because um, of their poverty situation. But yeah, just I, I do remember that in high school. Not that my parents were bad by any means or that my situation was nearly as bad as hers. Um, in any way, but just that those moments of freedom when you start to become an older teenager, you're a young adult. It's really interesting just to see her her perspective on that. But of course, all of it is built on all of these lies to her dad and how she yeah. um, how she's just kind of avoiding life. She's not really dealing with it at this point. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. I think it's these chapters too when he he's like checking in on her like hey when are you coming home like please tell me you're at least going to school and yeah, she lies to yeah. him and she says she's oh well you know I you know I went a couple half days and you know but I I'm going now and of course and you know we know it's a lie and she's making excuses for herself by saying oh well they're half they're half truths you know I'm I'm at least not lying as badly as I could be lying to him and that's just, yeah. <laughs> and it's it's hard too because you you sympathize with Danny and yes. being like you know he obviously just cares about Taylor so much and you just right. see that from his interlude and from these conversations. But at the same time, like if you're Taylor, you're not going back to school. You're not going back to that situation after the right. after the failure of the yeah. sort of intervention with all the teachers and everything. The bullies are still there. Like it's it's really it's really hard. You you really can't even take a side there. It's they're both completely valid with their approaches and concerns. It's it's a very very well written dynamic because it's uh, very hard to see who's right. Yeah, this is also the first chapter six point two. Like kicks off with her lying to her dad. Yeah, kind of really easy, which was something that yeah. was like made a big deal before of like, I really hate lying to him and here I go. And this is just like, oh boy, lying. I love lying. Here I go lying again. (laughs) If you grew up with Christian parents, this is the slow fade that I used to get told all the time. (laughs) (laughs) It's that backsliding. It's that that lukewarm. I can, yeah, now that I'm older, I'm like, oh, they were right. I I can sing that casting crown song for you. I I know that one exactly. (laughs) Um, but yeah, we also get though, uh, to transition to another cool part of this arc before we get to the part in Brian's apartment, we see a little bit of, uh, a little bit of insight into Tattletale as well. And I, mm. I it's, it's an interesting mm. thought too. Um, she talks about relationships and how every relationship is predicated on lying about yourself until you get comfortable enough to tell the truth. 
And I'm just curious what you guys think about that theory of relationships. Obviously, um, she's young um, and she has her powers, which is why she says that. Um, I don't know. I'm just interested to know what you guys think of Tattletales, Lisa's perspective on dating and relationships. Um, I'd say from a very, like, you're meeting the person for the first time, like that type going on a date with someone. I mean, I think it's kind of true. Like you, I've always heard where it's like, dating is you showing the best version of yourself. Like you get all dressed up, you put on your makeup, you get dressed nice, you go to a fancy restaurant, you act all all like prim and proper until like you both decide that you like each other and then you start seeing each other for who you really are. I think that's very accurate. Well, that makes me so sad. I'm not going to lie. I hate that. I, I'm a very big fan of like, life is too short to pretend to be somebody else. And like, I, I feel like in college, I very much was like trying to pretend to be like, I guess, present a version of myself that I thought would be appealing to people. And I don't agree with that anymore. That like, it's, it sucks. Like that you have to, I don't know, pretend to be somebody else in order to, (laughs) what are we, what are we, uh, uh, Venus flytraps to, you know, look pretty to attract the fly. Like that sounds so, I, oh yeah. Yeah. Isn't, I feel like Taylor's more just like, I don't think Taylor necessarily meant like pretending not to be yourself, but more like it just takes time to get comfortable to be yourself fully. Like, I mean, it's just the idea of like, um, Literally the only co- like si- like really random situation that I'm thinking of is like you don't fart in front of somebody for a long time and then all of a sudden all the time you're just yep. farting. That's true. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that's all I'm thinking of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. But the uh, there is that that whole like who's gonna who's gonna break that that wall first the fart wall. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then let me tell you once once the wall gets broken if you guys are really comfortable with each other. It's like all hell is unleashed out of everybody's buttholes. It's great. <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. I mean, well, I feel like that that's very much of like, a, sure, that is like the comfortability of like, okay, cool. Well, now I, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> fart in front of you. Like, sure. But if, 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 and and like, too, like, I mean, Alan and I have been married for six years, but like, at a certain point, I don't care if my legs are shaved anymore because I don't care. <laughs> and like, when we were first dating, I definitely cared about that. But yeah, I think yeah. that with the the like pretending you have your shit together when you don't or like pretending that you are more functional than you are. Like that's that's what I what I mean by like. Yeah. Yeah. You know. Well, and to bring it back to the to the arc too, especially <laughs> with, with with the way kind of Lisa presents it is, you know, the better question is if you had if you had Lisa's power, if you had the ability to essentially perfectly read somebody yeah. uh, for all intents and purposes, does that, would that for you be, I mean, obviously it's a hypothetical, <laughs> we have no idea, but like, would that, would that ruin your ability to get, you know, intimately familiar with anybody else? Would you only sure. be capable of surface level relationships just because no, but you're never gonna, you're always gonna know everybody's true self. You're right. You're never going to have that phase of where you're, somebody's holding themselves back from you because you can just read them. So it's, yeah. And kind of what she alludes to is that it's not just like nice stuff like, Oh wow. I hope that she likes me. I'm really nervous, but I'm just putting on a good face. It's more like, I wonder what her feet look like. I'm really into feet. 
<laughs> Man, I just want to see your toes. Like that's what's yeah. go- like that's what she's hearing from them as they're on a right. date. So I could imagine that being pretty rough. Yeah. I mean, Jesus never married. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I you know, I don't really know what that has to do with this, but go off, King. I'm, neither, I'm a little confused. <laughs> Sorry, that was a that was a joke that flew over people's heads. I was just uh Edit that out. Edit that out, Michael. No, I'm kidding. But uh, <laughs> no, uh, for me, for me, it would be um, if you could like read someone's mind. Like I don't. If I could read minds, or which is, I guess, in a sense, like um, Tattletales Power Squared. Um, I don't know if I'd ever be able to be in a relationship just because you constantly know what everyone's thinking. Um, yeah. And I like, and that's what I was equating to Jesus. Just like, oh well, I mean, if you're perfect, then. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get oh, what you mean now. Yeah. got it, got it, got yeah. it. Yeah, no, okay, makes sense now. Yeah, makes that sense. makes more yeah. sense. Yeah. Sorry, I wasn't I wasn't trying to Debbie Downer you there. I was just like, I literally have no idea what this means. <laughs> oh, <it's> okay. <laughs> he said, I don't know what that means, but go off, King. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, the, that's the support I'm looking for in a friend, and I appreciate yeah. it. <laughs> so Lisa is the stereotype female best friend to our main character. And yet, for being such like a stereotype, she's so enjoyable. I really yeah. enjoy her. Mm-hmm. Like, we're going to go shopping, girlfriend. And it's fun. And she has great conversations about dating and clothes and boys. And, you know, it's, I don't know. It, normally, I find any sort of stereotype trite because it's a stereotype like you've seen it a thousand times just like oh here we go again Mm -hmm. like and sort of as a theme for worm in general most of these people are stereotypical characters like that's that's their goal they're they're representing other characters that we've seen in media but they're just it just goes to show like if you do it well stereotypes don't have to be a bad thing Mm -hmm. yeah exactly and they're you know Stereotypes are often appealing, which is why they get used so often. And this is an example of just like female best friend. Like, I would love to have Lisa. Like, I, you know, there would probably... You just want Lisa to dress you. I mean, that Lisa would also has, be nice. Lisa has amazing Lisa needs to take me out shopping. <laughs> Lisa needs to take us all out shopping. For, any, for anyone who's a, a better artist than me, so anybody who's listening, pretty much, if you could please just just draw a crossover between Taylor and Lisa and Galinda and Alphaba from Wicked. Uh, because <laughs> Oh my gosh, it really is. I need that. Oh, unlimited. Man. <laughs> Together our villainy could be I unlimited. Say, I was thinking popular. The, the, I'm going to make you pop. You learn. Also, wear this yeah, exactly. top sweater because you're going to look great and Brian's going to love it. Like, <laughs> Okay, you've got to replace the word popular, though, with something else. What is it? Oh, no. Going to make you... Is it just villainous? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it works. It works. I'm going to make you villainous. <laughs> it's there. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll workshop it. We'll workshop it. You'll <laughs> rob some banks. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, we gotta we gotta stop now. We're gonna have we're gonna have the whole song done. <laughs> it is your destiny. So this is, uh, part three of this episode is Alan writes uh, "Worm the Alan Musical." Sings. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god! I'm already oh, on boy. it.
right. Okay, so bring it back in. We continue yes. over to uh, Brian's apartment. To Brian's apartment, yes. Mm-hmm. Who lives in the real nice part of town with his fancy buildings and his potted plants. Like, okay, all right, Brian. Also, also he's waiting for her out, out there. Oh, yeah. sorry. No, I mean, you're, you're kind of saying what I was saying, but like, yeah, I, I love the way Brian is set up. Like, if there's anyone who is doing the villain mm. story correctly, it's Brian, right? Yeah. He's, he is, he's got the apartment, he's got the fake job with the fake boss for the fake references and the fake pay stubs. Like, he has set up his life so perfectly. Like, that's, that's the villain I aspire to be, right? <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love I his love setup it. so much. Yeah, it's him waiting outside the door and just like, what, basking in the sunlight like mm-hmm. a cat in a sunbeam? Like, hot Brian being yeah. hot in hot the Brian sun. Brian is hot in the sun. <laughs> and Taylor's like, oh, is he is he napping? He's so quiet. He's so still. He must be napping. Like, no, he's just basking in the sun for a second. He's just enjoying the outside. Like, oh, man, what, what, what a guy. What a guy. Uh, oh, yeah. No, it's, it's great. I love the way he's portrayed just so calm and confident and cool. Yeah. And, and even though he is a villain and he does bad things, it's again, it, it goes back to that whole Wreck-It Ralph thing. It's like, well, he's a bad guy, but that doesn't make him a bad, a bad guy. guy. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just the way that he, and you can tell that too from how much he cares. Like, um, he's not, and, and it's part of it too is his motivation. You know, he's not in the villain mm-hmm. business. And we get to see that in, intimately here. He's not in the villain business just for the money or anything like that. He really just wants to give his sister a better life. And I have no doubt that if he felt like he could do that as a hero and make enough money and do that, that he may have gone that route. But unfortunately, yeah. I imagine as a ward, you're basically a high school student who's probably not getting paid a lot because you're right. basically property of the government. Have a lot of... Yes, yeah. and you have a lot of control over you. Your freedom well, yeah. is incredibly limited. Yeah, exactly. And in his mind, too, the system has already failed him and his sister. Like yes. he's true, a, true. He yeah, a, that's true. He has no allegiance to the government or the wards or the protectorate or any you know any other sort of institution like that. He's playing their game and he's kissing their ass just for, for Aisha's sake, but like in his mind, they're the enemy. Yeah, this is something we can talk about later when we get into um, chapter nine with Danny. But something that I find really interesting is looking at the way that Brian talks to Aisha and the way that Danny talks to Taylor. And like, obviously, you know, Brian is the older brother talking to the younger sister um, and, and, and their, their age gap between them isn't a a large age gap. Um, And then Danny is obviously Taylor's dad. Um, But seeing him seeing Brian specifically like talk to his sister about like being in school and what friends she hangs out with and like if she's going to the movies or not and like uh, the very like stern authoritative side that comes out especially when the um when Aisha and the um caseworker are there is such an interesting like mirror i guess i can't think of the right word but a, a, an interesting mirror to danny and taylor's relationship and like there isn't really anything said in regards to how taylor responds to brian's uh kind of authoritative voice at aisha but it makes me wonder 
you know, if Taylor is seeing that as like, oh yeah, Brian's being a, a, a good big brother and making sure he's taking care of his sister. But then, you know, Danny, meanwhile, is in the same position being worried about his daughter and making sure, wanting to make sure she makes good decisions and is doing okay and is, you know, being healthy in, you know, school and her friends. And, and yet, mm-hmm. you know, Taylor's like, oh, Brian. So I, I just think that's an interesting kind of bookend to this whole arc where we see very at the beginning with Brian kind of being that kind of a dad role to Aisha, um, wanting to have mm-hmm. her move in and take care of her and whatnot. And then bookending that at the end with Danny and Taylor. Yeah. And I think, and, and maybe this is just sort of like uh, reader bias, but it almost feels like in kind of making that comparison, the one criticism we make of Danny kind of repeatedly is that he really doesn't see Taylor. He, mm. he refuses to acknowledge the, what we would call the really obvious elephant in the room, right? Yes. Um, right. Whereas Brian really feels like he, he knows and understands his sister. He's right. very aware of who she is and her needs. And, and there's clearly a respect there, even though Aisha has problems. There's clearly respect that she has for Brian. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that is sort of off camera, if you will, but a, a very clear sort of uh, sibling camaraderie there that, that yeah. Brian, Brian really does see his sister and, and, and understands her struggle and like what she needs as opposed to Danny and Taylor. Yeah, or at least at least he's trying to. I think he's still um Yeah, yeah. He's still not completely there, of course. He's still trying to figure out how do I relate to this teenage girl, not just as an older brother, but like as a pseudo parental figure. Um yeah. and that's really difficult. Um I can imagine that's really difficult for anybody to do. Um whereas with Danny, it feels like it feels like he's trying I think the difference may be less having to do with Brian and Danny, perhaps having more to do with Taylor, which I want to talk more about when we get to um, that point in the story, but um, there's definitely definitely something there that I feel like is not Danny's fault. But with Brian, at mm-hmm. least, um, there's definitely a, a wholehearted attempt to try to Fix the situation with his sister. Can I say though, um, and because maybe I'm alone in this, and this may just be me, but was anyone else a little bit uncomfortable with the way that Wildbow through Taylor described Aisha? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So it wasn't. It wasn't just me. Oh, yeah. I yep. was like, okay. Like I just. It wasn't my favorite description. No, and and I think part of it. I'm trying to decide. I'm like, okay, is this. Is this a writer who is putting themselves into the mind of Taylor, who seems to be jealous of really pretty girls? Yeah. Or is this just yeah bad yeah. writing? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, I hate I to say, that. but no, no, it's no. it's this moment of like, oh, this like I uh, I've listened to it twice now, and both times I'm like, I just feel a little uncomfortable. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I think that's something because we obviously are all big fans of Wild Bo and and Worm and his works. But that doesn't mean that 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 he is, you know, he's faultless in his writing. And I think that this is definitely one of the places where it feels really weird. Like, uh, to be perfectly honest, I, I, I just felt very uncomfortable. 
Like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the, the men writing yeah. women subreddit, that is how this section felt. Or at least, at least Taylor's description of Aisha is how it felt. Like, I, it, it did not, yeah, it did not hit for me. And it's worth pointing out here too, of course, that, and Wild Bo himself mentions this several times, that the nature of the serialization of the story means that it is unedited completely. Right. So yeah, we're going to have many of these moments. Yeah. Wild Bo has alluded to many of these moments where there's parts that just don't work and really right. needed a second, third, or fourth pass. And that's fine. And so like, yeah, I, yeah, I, agree. Yeah. I think we can be, we can be critical of that. That's, that's yeah. totally valid. And that's, that doesn't really detract from exactly. him as a writer or an author. Yeah. And yeah, no, yeah. I, I agree. I think that's a very, uh, not a very well-written. And I wonder if part of it too, yeah, yeah, not a very well-written part necessarily. I wonder if part of it too is that um, it kind of just hit me too that how much style has changed since the serial got written. Because it was about what, 10 years ago? Hmm. Ish? Yeah. Um, longer, yeah. Something like that. A little longer uh, maybe. 2000, and 2011? 2011 or 2013, was, yeah. Yeah, 2011 to 2013. And 2011 was still a time where that sort of trashy goth look that he's describing, or as he calls it, um, or this like alt look wasn't very popular, but it's become very popular in the past few years. So as, as Wild Bo's describing the way that she looks, there's a part of me that's like, that's just kind of the way that some people dress now. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and maybe that's part of it too, is that the style has changed. So what was once um, seen as, you know, like, oh, why would you do that? Is like, oh, that's really cool now. Um, so maybe that's part of it. But I do also just feel like, I think the the best reasoning I can give for it is that if I think of this as Taylor's mindset towards Aisha and not necessarily a literal description of Aisha, then to me it yes. comes across as okay, this is the unreliable narrator issue. Yes, she is a very she's a very judgy person. And that mm. is something worth noting with her. So if I'm getting this straight, uh just our is the problem you're finding with his writing uh, and describing Aisha a problem of sexism? Would you say then, or is it just the whole thing? I think for me, it's more the more the age thing because <laughs> she's supposed yeah, to be I was like, say that like too, Jacob. twelve. I think she's like thirteen. Right? Yeah, twelve or thirteen. She's, she's, she's thirteen. Young. I thought she was four. I thought she was fourteen. Not that I might be mistaken. Wait, is Aisha that close in age to Taylor? I thought there was a bigger gap. Yeah, I could have sworn she's a little bit younger. No, yeah, that's why I was thinking like twelve or thirteen. Yeah. Um, because other than that, if she was the same age, I think it plays a little bit easier and kind of right. it plays more into that sort of jealousy that, that you were talking about, Nick. But yeah, for me, I think yeah. it was just more the more of how, how much younger, I, at least when I was reading it, I, I could be wrong. I thought she was supposed to be a few years younger. She's 13, about to turn 14. 13, okay, okay. It, it feels very like sexualized in a very uncomfortable Yeah, I think that's what it is. And part of it maybe is this whole like, Something about the way it was said of like, she'll be really gorgeous when she grows up, which isn't necessarily a bad thing to say, but that something about the way it was phrased um, and just the, again, the age thing and the focus on her physical appearance, it just kind of made me uncomfortable. I don't think it was sexist or at least not intentionally so. And again, um, something that probably could be easily cleaned up with an, with an editor too. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I just think generally that 
we can move on from it now, but uh, after Kat says what she was going to say, but generally, um, that whole scene just felt uncomfortable. I really like Aisha's character, though. I think the way that she talks to Taylor is really funny and entertaining, and that's a great scene. So I don't want to discount from that part of the arc. Um, but just that moment, I just thought I, it was worth asking, like, did this make other people uncomfortable or was it just me? And maybe it's just Taylor being super judgy. You know, we can say that at the very least. Yeah. I just, I think that we've seen, there's been a few instances and I don't have specific like situations to recall back to in this moment, but Taylor has kind of shown us a few, like quite a few times that she's kind of judgmental. Yeah. She obviously has a way that she thinks everything is supposed to work. Everything is supposed to be. And you either are meeting that or you're below it. Mm. Um, so, so I don't know. I've just seen, there's a few, been a few instances where I'm like, well, that's kind of a problematic thought. Um, like the way that she was like the, her thoughts on, you know, the deaf, um, waitress and just the way that she talks about, you know, the other people just describing their looks or, you know, how you mm-hmm. can kind of tell where she's where people's worth stands with her by the way that she mm. goes into her like mental description of them. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. That's a good way to put it. I never thought of it yeah. that way, but yeah. Yeah. In my mind, she, um, she still knows everything. If that makes sense. Cause I remember, I remember going off to college at 18 and then like by 19, I was like, Oh my God, there's so much I don't know. But I mean, <laughs> in a te- but in a teenager, I would have literally like yeah. had a, solid argument on like Israel versus Palestine. Like I would have been like, no, 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 let me like, and now I'm like, yeah, dude, I have no idea what to even like begin to think about what to do about, you know what I mean? So, right. Right. I, I, yeah. If yeah, I'm if reading it from a 15 year old girl's perspective or, or guy or they, them, but they, you know, it's like, oh wow. Like she thinks that she knows how the world works. Like she's sitting here telling her dad what she's doing. Yeah. That gets on my nerves because I'm like, Danny, if you don't tell that girl to come home. (laughs) (laughs) We'll get there. (laughs) We'll get there at the end here. We interrupt our scheduled program to bring you a word from our sponsor, Zencaster, a one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. When we first started this podcast, we knew we needed a service that would let us record remotely. After doing some research, Zencaster was the obvious choice. We started using Zencaster and never looked back. It's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. All you do is log in, invite people to join your room, and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. You can record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You can rest easy even if you have an unstable connection, knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality. We do all our recording in Zencaster, and when the episode is ready, we can distribute it to all major podcast platforms. Zencaster has made podcasting so much easier with its all-in-one podcasting platform and tools. Go to Zencaster.com pricing and use my code BROCKTONBAYBC and you'll get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. I want you to have the same easy experiences I do for all my podcasting and content needs. It's time to share your story. That's Zencaster.com slash pricing 
and use our code BROCKTONBAYBC. And now, back to our scheduled programming. It's something that, like Kat said very, very early on in this podcast, is that, and then what Nick just brought up a couple minutes ago, that she is an unreliable narrator. And like, as uncomfortable as this scene kind of was to read and, you know, our debate back and forth of where that's coming from, she <laughs> she's a being a judgy bitch here. And she is explaining Aisha in a way that she sees Aisha being trashy. And as she says, because I looked it up, I had to read it again really quick. She compares her to a Mercedes, a beautiful Mercedes that has a cheap flame decal pasted all over the wheels. And that is so, it it feels so judgy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, I think, I think, and that's, that's kind of exactly where that sort of judgmental attitude, I think, comes in when we're talking about, yeah, it's that kind of language where it's, that's, that's very much feels like Taylor, Taylor's character being Taylor, um, yeah. which is awkward. <laughs> yes. But I, I think it, I think it does help. Again, she is a very flawed protagonist and we're going to see that as the story continues. And, mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that's, it's hard because the the worm in general, the entire story is very uncomfortable in a lot of places um, over a lot of different areas and topics and things like that, um, which is part of the appeal. It's part of the draw is this is a very, a clearly a very flawed world. This isn't the MCU, right? <laughs> we're not, right? <laughs> we're not like, oh, it's, we're following Iron Man. And yeah, sometimes he's a little bit of an alcoholic, but we still love him, <laughs> you know, like it's not that kind of story, but it is, it, it, it does write a line. And I think it sometimes it definitely crosses that line a little bit, but let's not let it detract from, unless anybody else has some final thoughts though, because I do really want to get into Aisha's character introduction and her yes. conversations with Taylor, which yes. I absolutely <laughs> love. <laughs> yeah. I love immediately just coming right out. Oh, okay. So, so you're sassy. the bug girl. Yeah, obviously. she's so sassy. I love yeah. it. It's like so the good. well, obviously you're you're part of his team. Why else yeah. would he hang out with you? It's just the, <laughs> the stab so to the heart. Right. Like, oh. <laughs> she came out swinging, and I love that Taylor is so thrown off by her bluntness, by her. You know, it's not an attack, but it, to Taylor is like, oh, how do I, how do I lie, how do I lie again? Uh, uh, what? He's a villain? Like just the and just Aisha giving her this look of like. Come on, man. I'm not, I'm a kid. Uh, I might have been born a while ago, but I wasn't born yesterday. You know, like that just that look which I love. Like she has so much sass. Mhm. Yeah, didn't have to be tattletale there to know that Taylor was lying in right. that scene. Yeah, I yeah. needed a spit take <laughs> moment from Taylor where she's like, "So, you're the bug girl." Just <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh god, exactly. all I can visualize is that scene from the Incredibles were violet spits, like snorts water out of your yes, nose. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And I can't remember, I'm trying to remember the, the exact wording of the dialogue. Does she say that, that Brian told her everything or does it just sort of inferred or implied that Aisha figured it out? I can't no, remember so she, how it... She says she figured it out. Okay. So does, yeah. basically, yeah, no, basically she says... Um, he warned me that he had powers, but didn't tell me what they were because he wanted me to know just in case I ended up with powers too. Um, yeah, which, you know, right. smart move. Makes sense. Yeah, fair. Um, yeah, but then yeah. she's like, but then I started keeping track of when he was gone 
and what was yeah. going on in the superhero world and the cape world. And she's like, I kind of put two and two together. It made the most sense. And boom. Now I can tell you're you're probably part of his team. He's a smart um, cookie. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she she is pretty clever. And it it's implied that, yeah, that or she's not implied. She says straight up, I figured it out. Any final thoughts on uh on this scene before we move chapters? Uh I just love Taylor showing up, seeing hot Brian and just Immediately going like, God damn it, Lisa. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, resorting to her caveman talk, which I just love. Every time Taylor loses her cool and starts being like, me no do. (laughs) (laughs) Me me no function. Me no know how to talk to boys. Like, I, it cracks me up. I want to have two of those moments where her brain just goes to mush. Uh, One, of course, is want to grab me that nut. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. Want to grab me the nut. Uh, you know, and of course, you smell nice. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I, oh that moment Gene, where she's like, she's like, oh, you know, oh. I, I, uh, I just worry that maybe I smell bad, and he's like, leans he's in like, close, sniff, sniff. <laughs> oh nah, wow! You smell nice, girl. I'm, I'm surprised she didn't just keel over and die right there, because I know Teen <laughs> Hannah would have. Like, oh my god. <laughs> Are you saying she'll have a possible second triggering? <laughs> the second trigger event is what Brian happened? leaning over we'll and sniffing boy. her. Oh, gosh. Good oh, Something fun uh, to think about in Brian's apartment. Uh, you know, we have the, the reflection of like characters' powers and their mental states and who they are as people. Um, but then uh, the social worker comes in and says, Something similar to that, but like Brian, your your apartment is basically you, and there's no Aisha here. Um, but it just you know, just thinking about like what does his apartment and how it's designed and what it looks like, what does that say about who Brian is as a person? Um, and also a reminder that like his powers aren't. Like the primary thing about his powers isn't that they're cutting out light. It's not darkness per se, but it's shadows coming out that are inherently a dampening effect that also dampen light as well as other things. Mm, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like it's because he's like, when you think about like, how does this relate to him? He's not a darkness person. Um, you know, he is a, he's a muted person. So when mm-hmm. he's, you know, stretching all this out, it's, it's not a, you know, a representation of him being darkness, you know, a uh, shrouded mystery and, you know, all this stuff. Cause he's very much a, I feel like he, he, he both keeps his cards close to his vest and also, but has them like turned around. Like mm-hmm. he's a very guarded individual, but also very open to you know inviting taylor onto the team he you know he wants to keep people yeah. safe by protecting them but also uh you know like you know yeah can you come help me with my sister like he's he's guarding but he's open like darkness isn't his thing but being you, muted is yeah, you, mm-hmm. you kind of see that in the apartment it's very relaxing taylor says like mm-hmm. it's very open very relaxing very calming and I think maybe that has something to do with it too, right? That just like, oh, this is 
you know, it's it's calm, like you said, it's a dampening. It's not exaggerated. It's not loud. It's not bold. Um, it's not even a typical typical bachelor pad, like she says. It just reflects that calming nature of who he is. Hmm. Yeah, I like that. More reasons to love Brian, really. <laughs> Add it to the list. <laughs> also, Taylor at the end of this finally, finally comes to terms about lying to herself about the villain thing at the end of at the end of this chapter. The uh, the yeah, the like she, you know, she helps him finish up with whatever they're doing, you know, the, the furniture. And then she's like, that does it. I've been, I've been saying, oh man, like all next week, I'll put it off and I'll turn them in then, you know? Oh, yeah. And then she's <laughs> like, nah, if I stay here any longer, I'm going to want to like be with Brian yeah. and That's I, right. That's I, right. I, I need to get out of here now. I need to pull the eject cord. Yeah. Yeah. You're not turning anybody in. We see right through you. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the next couple of chapters, which I think a couple of these are going to flow together here. Uh, Hannah, yeah. if you want to break down. Yeah, so we we have, um, I've grouped five and seven together, and I kind of kept four uh, separate, but it can really be grouped in. So chapter four is um, they make their way back, and the the boss wants them to take a big job as like a big fuck you to the protectorate for taking credit for all of their work with the ABB. Um, they have like a little voting moment and then they start planning. And then five through seven, chapters five through seven is more of um, the big job. <laughs> so if we want to talk about chapter four first, uh, I definitely, I, I mean, we we know obviously why Taylor is making her, you know, why she changes her vote from, you know, no, to yes, but I think it's interesting because we see some of the other like members, uh, like some of their motivation. Like why why would you take a job versus turn one down? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a it's a great chapter, uh, in, in terms of getting some reads on the team dynamic. I love I love Regent. I love how he's just a wild card. Yes. He goes from no, and then he's like, yeah, actually, you know what? Sure, why not? Let's do it. <laughs> that's the yeah. energy I need attacking this I like I like the way he phrases it too he's like well the money deals with my main concern because attacking them seemed pointless but twenty two hundred fifty thousand dollars is pretty pointy <laughs> pretty pointy yeah I love that <laughs> so good yeah <laughs> he's got some great lines yeah, I couldn't remember if um, is was at the beginning was bitch on board or not um, which is not on board don't believe not on board. So. Because it's think, just it's just Lisa, right? That's kind of yeah. like pushing for it. Correct. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is interesting. Because um, pretty much the rest of them are are in agreement that it's not a great idea. Not a great idea. Like yeah. nothing about this makes sense until the paycheck. <laughs> until the pointy yeah. paycheck. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Taylor even makes the the comment that like, oh yeah, sure, this could be just as dangerous as walking up to the protectorate and turning ourselves in like that. We might as well just walk up and hold out our wrists and say, cuff me because that's, what's going to happen. Like we're not going to get away with this. Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Taylor's Taylor's swing in this conversation is also pretty wild. Cause she, she does something that I thought was kind of a, a dick move where she brings up Lisa's underestimation beforehand Yes, um, she does. Mm, yeah. To, to initially say we shouldn't do this, which is like, didn't Lisa pull you aside and be like, "Hey, yeah, let's let's not maybe not mention that." 
Right. Yeah. And that's something that we've talked about before in previous episodes, like looking at that and being like, hmm, that's becoming a theme. Like, that's a problem. Is this going to continue to be a problem as Lisa, you know, underestimates the the big bads that we're going up against? And I think like Taylor obviously does have a good reason to bring it up, but it is kind of shitty especially after, like you said, Lisa pulled her aside and asked her not yeah. to. Seems like a real Emma Barnes move right over there. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <You know>? yeah. <laughs> like, how's your dead mom, well, you know? Oof. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Here's yeah. your biggest I mean, insecurity. I mean, I think, um, I think though it is, it is at a certain point pretty obvious that um, Tattletail did miss those details, even to the rest of the team. Yeah. So like, I mean, like, obviously the big thing she missed was that glory girl and Panacea or Panacea was there um, at the bank. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think that is a very interesting, the reason why Taylor turns is still related to her motivation to eventually try to be a good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's the only reason she turns. She's like, you know, maybe, maybe if we can meet with our boss, that would be yeah. pretty cool. I could, I'd be done. Yeah. She'd finally um, have the information she needs to to turn them in and, right, and right. walk away. Mm-hmm. That's the last piece of her puzzle, which is interesting motivation. Yeah. I'm going to back up there a little bit because I just re- wrote, read what I wrote down, which is Taylor's in an interesting d- dilemma. Taylor doesn't want to betray Le- Lisa like Emma did to her. But the only way to prevent that from happening in her head is to say what Emma did to her. Like, in order to not be a betrayer, she has to pick on Lisa's biggest insecurity, which is the other thing that Emma Barnes did to her. Like, Mm. and I do like how kind of quickly she brushes past it because as I feel like we'll continue to do, it's okay if, you know, everybody else does it, but if I do it, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah, exactly. That feels like a a tagline for her her whole life at this point. Which is the, I, I know best. I can do this. <laughs> I can get away with it because oh, I'm the main character. Jesus, Taylor. So obnoxious. Like, come on. <laughs> uh, I, I think I, this whole arc definitely gives me that, like, good God, Taylor vibes. The whole, the whole arc is, is our what the fuck, Taylor? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. The whole yeah, thing. yeah. <laughs> well, they do all agree to it eventually. And yes, they uh, do. we kick off some well, some pre planning. We almost all do. Gru still votes no, oh, but yes. he's outvoted. That's true. That's yeah. true. He's outvoted. Like, yeah. He's outvoted. Yeah. Right. And yeah. once again, because of Taylor, Taylor mm-hmm. swings that whole group against Gru. Well, no, I would not say that because uh, Regent changes his mind because of the money, and Bitch also yeah. changes her mind well, because of the money. No, Bitch, bitch says specifically if. If the little basically like if that little girl is gonna do it, then I can't let her show me oh, up. Oh, that's right. So. Yes, you're right. You're right. <laughs> Which, as we've been kind of seeing, bitch has been backing up Taylor more I, and I'm more. I'm liking it. I'm liking mm-hmm. the vibe that's happening there. I think I'm that goes all the it. way back to Taylor being the only one to validate bitch's attack on the dog fighting ring mm. uh, yeah. from the last arc, mm. where she's like, yeah. "Did you get them all, or did you hurt them? Good, you know. And, that's all that was needed." And bitch. Bitch did see that she took down Lung as well. Yeah, um, yeah exactly. Which, yeah. Um, it's not a big spoiler, but when later when she's like saying, you know, 
Lung underestimated her too. We see, I mean, I think what bitch values, of course, is strength and power. Mm-hmm. And she, she yes. looks at Taylor and is like, you might look scrawny, but you are powerful. And I respect the hell out of that. Yeah. I love it. And I feel like that's, that's kind of what's going on there too, is like almost this, like, like bitch has in her mind, like almost this rivalry of, of, right. well, if Taylor's going to do it, I can't say no. I can't let her show me up. Um, which is funny right. because in Taylor's mind, she's just like, what? Why? <laughs> Why yeah. do you care? I love it. Moving into chapters five, six, and seven, we have the job, as it were, um, where they're crashing this big party, uh, literally crashing right through the party. Um, we get to kind of see containment foam, what that looks like. Things uh, go really well, and then they don't go so well. Taylor makes a final move with her hornets and the undersiders make their break uh, and they think they're free, but they're not. And Armsmaster and Dauntless follow them right uh, into a parking garage. And when all seems fucked, Circus and the Traveler show up and surprise, surprise, we get to meet the boss. Oh, so much to go through. Let's start at the kind of the beginning of that and the, uh, the party crash, which is a, yeah. a fun oh, yeah. scene. Can we just, all right, okay. So, okay, I just like leaned into my mic here. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, we hung off the side of the building on a doge mm. and then jumped from building to building and then crashed into said building, gripped said building with claws until second doggo could come flying in and break the glass. So like the image, <laughs> I just it, I just can't. If I was on the back of this die, I would be screaming the entire time. Uh, uh, but but this this image of like the gr- the glass just cracking and the paneling and the metal just creaking underneath them as these dogs are gripping the side of the building and hanging off the edge and then woof like jumping and this giant le- like oh my god like i i <laughs> i think taylor even says she's like there wasn't time to scream you just had to like hang on and hope mm-hmm. for the best cuz like mean, we all know this is, this is possible i mean we've we've all seen oh, yeah. fast and furious 7 where they do <laughs> the dubai building jumps <laughs> And I think that That's is exactly what exactly what I imagine these dogs doing <laughs> with a little bit of, uh, well, what's the Johnny Blaze? Uh, Ghost Rider. A little bit of Ghost Rider thrown in there. <laughs> right, right. Hear me out. Too fast, too furious. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Episode title. If we're titling these episodes. Too fast, too furious. Good There's only one thing stronger than family. No, and it's, and it's Brutus. There's only one thing stronger than family, and it's got four paws. Oh gosh, I got a herd. <laughs> I got a herd. I got, I got my pack. My pack. Anyway, oh yeah, the oh yeah. break-in starts. The the disruption, the not the heist. What are we calling this? The the party, the party crashing. Crash, yeah, 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 yeah. And we get some good moments. Yeah, the the containment foam. Just the oh, the. Oh. That was a <laughs> yeah. great start. Like I I love that that was their thing. They were like, okay, we're gonna blanket everyone in darkness, and then we're gonna cover everyone in expanding foam. Like, all right, 
right. Yep. <laughs> but great. also, I, I do love how it's introduced as like this uh, get out of jail free card. Like every author is going to have that one thing, right? Oh, okay. The story can't get too out of hand. So um, they have containment foam that contains them, right? But it also gets turned around within its introduction chapter and they yes. are using it against them. So it's, yeah, it's well, both it makes sense, that OP though. foam. Yeah, it does. Exactly. It's like, it's, it's well placed yeah. within the story. It doesn't feel like this overpowering. Okay. Well, of course they have containment foam. Like it's <laughs> yeah, still just yeah. a tool <laughs> within the story. That, yeah, uh, exactly. It's um, manipulated, which is fun. I, I think it's really fun too. Cause it makes sense. Like the more that people would become super powerful, and mm-hmm. need to be controlled, you know? If you're just a normal police officer, essentially, mm-hmm. what are you going to do against the superhero, right? But this is where they start, the heroes particularly, I think they say it's some Tinker Gear as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is why it's important for them to start to develop ways to handle it. Because it's like, well, yeah. What are we going to do if, you know, the heroes can't get there in time? Right. Or... You know, but yep. I do love too how it does get turned around. Just a whole plan to jump in, use the darkness, uh, <laughs> choose their battles very intelligently. Um, I, yeah, it's super fun. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting because we know that Taylor's done her research in the forums and like has gotten to know people's uh, powers and what they do. But like, I I think I forget. I, I I guess my my assumption tends to be that like, oh yeah, the protectorate is this like group of heroes that are too high and mighty to know about the lowly undersiders but but uh uh arms master he knows every single one of them like he knows what their powers do and he's done his own research and prepared for the possibility of them showing up or having to to deal with them which i love i think that's really fun yeah this is as much like his moment as it is the undersiders' moment. And I yes, and I, I kind of, I love that about this whole chapter because the rest of them are sort of, uh, they can't really do anything. They're surrounded by, but right. like Miss Militia, what's she going to do? Just shoot everything? <laughs> like she can't, right. she can't do anything. <laughs> like they're all sort of, they're all sort of kind of caught here where they have to really sort of rein in what they can do. And it really yeah. gives Armsmaster a moment to, to shine. And his, his back and forth, uh, the chase afterwards. Like, it's such a great moment. The way he's outsmarting them, like getting around Tattletail, like everything about the way he approaches. It, he, he really feels like that sort of, uh, you know, the nemesis, right? He's there. Yeah. He's the Undersiders' <laughs> nemesis, really more than Lung is, uh, especially yeah. in these early chapters. To, yeah, your, it's a lot of fun. to your question, to your thought though, Hannah, about, you know, you think maybe the Undersiders aren't big enough deal for them to or for, you know, for the protectorate to notice. I wonder, though, um, how much of this is simply due to Taylor yeah. and her conversations with Armsmaster. Like, right. do we think that Armsmaster really would have cared this much and would have been prepared for this as much exactly. as he was if yeah. Taylor hadn't said? That, mm-hmm. like, if he had, if she hadn't said something, like... And brought the undersiders onto his radar, you know, like oh, this stupid exactly, yeah, girl. that's what I'm saying. Yeah, Love it's like it. really, like, is that how it would have been? Um, yeah, it's it's interesting to think about for sure. And from the other side too, like, would the undersiders have cared 
at all about this without Taylor's sort of intervention. Like, no, I think we kind of answered that already with the earlier chapters. So it's yeah, true. It does feel like a showdown between Armsmaster and Taylor for a lot of different reasons, which is great. I love it. <laughs> and not just that, but also Emma, that oh, bitch. That oh. bitch. And, <laughs> and, and her family, her powerful, her powerful lawyer dad. Like, oh gosh, they're just yeah. so fucking gross. Alan. Fuck oh Alan. <laughs> uh, you yeah. love to hate him. Well, I mean, she says, like Taylor says, that the thing that kind of makes her mad is when her uh, Emma's mom has like the protective arm over Emma. And that kind of like mm-hmm. blames something up inside of Taylor that like really just hurts, you know? Yeah. And mm-hmm. if a few more bugs went to Emma, it wasn't yes. on purpose. And then we get to the confrontation on, they're like on a, on like a rooftop, right? Well, there's like a, there's like a balcony. There's a a balcony outside of the party. Yeah. Yeah. So the balcony like steps through some doors and Taylor pulls, well, not pulls arms master, but kind of lures him out there Mm -hmm. in a way. They have like their little, their little moment. Out yeah, on the uh, patio. I was say, are we going to sw- move to that already? I was going to go over. Oh no! Hey, if I jumped ahead, let's go back. What do you, what do you got? Say, we got we got arms master showing up, and you know, start doing his Batman level shit. Like, yeah, yeah. I think too, real quick. It is interesting to see how just how different characters react to the foam. Like even Glory Girl, who we know is like this sort of like quarter Superman level superhero is stuck by this foam. The ones who have an easier time escaping it though are the characters like Shadow Stalker who can turn herself into shadows. And I just think that's really interesting that like Shadow Stalker in particular, we see just the showcasing of powers and how even the parameters that they've tried to set up to try to stop heroes and villains as needed, it's just not going to work on certain heroes. Um, and Shadow Soccer almost escapes, but doesn't um, because of her power. So it's just that that part was kind of interesting to me. And who is it? Who's the other? There's another cape that's there that is like, um, oh gosh, I cannot remember their name. The Ms. one that Militia? Taylor ends up fighting. No, no, not Miss Militia. Assault Battery and Velocity. Holy yep. macaroni and cheese. Now that is a fun power. Like, And the way they work together, it's like... Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that they can they can coordinate their their attacks to, you know, like okay, well, I'm going to work up all this power and then I'm going to shoot you <laughs> across the room. Like it's so it's so interesting. And then I guess Velo- is velocity the one that's basically like the flash except he punches like an 8-year-old. Yeah, so this is really interesting here cuz this, you know, the worm universe, why it's so cool that you can have the same power essentially but they operate so differently mm-hmm. so for battery battery has the like charging up the powers and then letting it go and velocity actually like phase shifts kind of like shadow stalker but you know moves mm-hmm. into what is essentially the speed force realm where mm-hmm. They, yeah. m- they're moving as fast because they're like on a different plane so they can minorly affect this plane. But like you said, they punch like an eight-year-old. Yeah. 
It's it's all the it's all just it's just the getting from A to B, really. That is the the part of the power. Uh, yeah, no, I I think you hit the nail on the head. Like so many so many of these powers feel familiar, but are so unique in how they're described and and utilized. And I think that's definitely one of sort of Wildbo's strengths. Without the throughout throughout the whole story, is uh is all of that plus. Well, I'm always here for a good team up of powers. We don't see enough of it. Like mm-hmm. you just, I, I look at stuff like the Avengers and things like that, and and they'll get like they'll do one move every five movies, where it's like you guys have been working <laughs> together for years, and you just figured out you can redirect Iron Man's beams off of your shield, Captain America. Like, come <laughs> on, <laughs> coordinate yeah, your attacks, yeah, yeah. man. No, that's that is yeah. true though. I do like. Um, because Assault is the one who can, can control kinetic energy, right? And then yeah, uh, yeah. Battery yeah, exactly. is the one who exactly. charges up. Yeah. Yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. So so we have that. We also have Triumph. We didn't really talk about him, but he has a right. sonic shout and oh, apparently has cool. super strength. That was very cool. I think Ooh, yeah. they mentioned yeah, that got, he has super strength. He's got a bit, of a bit of a complete package with the, with the shout as being his like thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So he's got the supersonic shout. Um... But yeah, even then, they managed to take down all of those heroes pretty handily. I do like, uh, I do like the phrase, um, you've never really seen someone flip out until you've seen a speedster flip yes! out. Yes! That was because so good! I can just so imagine somebody like in super hyper fast motion just absolutely flinging their body around. And it's hilarious. <laughs> It's hilarious. Like yeah. And it helps uh, sort of get around to get like into the into the deep nerdy weeds of, of the superhero <laughs> fandoms. Everybody knows that speedsters are just like the overpowered superpower. Like mm-hmm. they're just they're just too strong. Just breaking that sort of dynamic is just too powerful. So you always have to find a way to trip them up <laughs> literally. <laughs> And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. and like, it's, wish, it's, yeah, <laughs> she trips him up by walking over to him while he's like drinking, yeah. and then has like whips out the baton and then whacks him in the genitals. Which, <laughs> you know what, oh seems to be a theme going for Taylor. Yeah. Taylor yeah. really likes going for the balls. Um, <laughs> if, it, and, if it worked and, once, you know what, <laughs> if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. And I heard a fence and for someone with no training, that's what you do. That's true. It's just what you do. That's fair. I love that she thinks like maybe he has a cup. Surely he has a cup. Whack. Guess not. Feel a cup. (laughs) (laughs) Didn't didn't feel very Uh. cuppy there. Well, I mean, Taylor has thought through a lot of the armor plating on her costume. Like she's thought through a lot of it because partially because she's a girl and partially because. She's thought of, well, okay, my power isn't super powerful, so I have to, you know, have ways to protect myself, much, you know, which is why she has the baton and the knife and the pepper spray. But like, I think in that vein, she kind of assumes that other people have also thought through the same type of armament on their costumes. And in that same way, like, oh, surely he has a cup, bonk, like, oop, nope, <laughs> guess not. Like that, mm-hmm. that, that. Almost in a way, because this is something I've been thinking about a lot about, about the the heroes of like, they are very protected in the sense of like, they have a very unified team. They have a lot of uh, PR, you know, everyone loves them. But like, how how much do they see themselves as being untouchable when, mm. you know, 
all it takes is a couple undersiders to crash a party with some containment foam and a baton and some bugs and <laughs> whop, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I, f- I felt bad for, uh, uh, gosh, Tattletail just got smashed multiple <laughs> times by that flail mm. extending whippy chainy thing mm-hmm. that, that, uh, that Armsmaster has because holy shit. She went down and then he bopped her again. Like, oh, this poor girl is, yeah. is feeling her lunch. Especially mm-hmm. after she just like put him on blast, like oh, she started did. roasting <laughs> his oh, ass man. and was oh, like, man. he hates you. Everyone hates you. Everyone I hate you. Him. We all hate you. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I mean, kind of like not to be mean, but maybe kind of got what she deserved in that moment. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like from... <laughs> From his perspective, just being like him, just being like, oh, shut the hell up, Boom. just smacked yeah, yeah. her across. The Lisa's room. greatest strength is she's like the strongest weapon is talking, except yeah. when she runs into you know Glory Girl, who doesn't think about it and just hits you, mm-hmm. or Arms Master, who does think about it and decides and it's worth hits hitting you. you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh gosh. Oh man. No, I do want to say Arms Master being, I mean, we don't know much about him at this point, but I do love that he is, he's a tinker, mm-hmm. but he fights here like a super soldier. Yes. And I, I love that. Like he is he's so. He's combat tinker. Yes. Yeah. He's the combat tinker, right? He's, he's just this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He's, he's the buff nerd who's like, yeah. he's the I buff nerd, the exactly. Buff nerd. Exactly. In fact, he, he's. I'm gonna reach out to him to play arms master. I'm gonna work on that now. That is actually oh some gosh, pretty great fantastic. It's a great cast, <laughs> a great cast some, choice. Yep, yep. Do you think every th- time he does a push up, he like thinks like this is leveling up my strength? Oh, for, for sure. For sure. I do imagine arms master is like he's. He, we we got the scene of of walking through the halls of the protectorate taking off his armor, hanging it up, goes into his dungeon, and it's just like painting Warhammer miniatures, you know? <laughs> oh, absolutely. He has, he has miniatures, but they're just all the heroes and villains in the city. And he's oh, like got them in, in a tiny little city that he's built like to yes! scale. Like a model bro. <laughs> He's oh doing the God. whole the whole space balls where, where Dark Helmet's playing with the action figures of all the characters. Like, yeah. that's arms master. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Except he's a tinker, so he's like, he actually has all the stats on everybody and he knows all the fun yeah. facts. Oh, and then it's oh. like, it's like he sticks it down and there's like a hologram that comes up with all their information. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> okay. So, speaking of arms master shit that is just tinker crazy, awesome, insane, um, he has a lie detector built into his helmet. Like, I know oh, yes. we talked about this before when he and Taylor met up. Uh, by the docks, but I had forgotten that. And seeing that play with Tattletail and kind of how Tattletail has put out this idea that she can read minds, and him just being able to look at her and be like, "You're lying!" Like, oh, yeah. what a fucking power move! Oh, it was so good. I lo- oh, I was so here for that. That exchange, their exchange was just oh, phenomenal. Just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one mm-hmm. interesting thing about this fight, if you will, whereas from a from like a combat perspective, I think I preferred the bank heist, just reading it. I think that was more fun to read in terms of the fight choreography. But 
That was really a moment for the undersiders to shine. We really got to see them play out and use their abilities and all that kind of stuff. And unfortunately, the words were just the punching bags. <laughs> but now <laughs> we sort of got the reverse of that. We know how the undersiders work and it was still cool to see them work. But we really got to see these other characters shine. And it was sort of yeah. fun to see them fight back successfully in a lot of, a lot of unique ways. Uh, the regent punch slash like trigger the gag reflex at the same time, or the oh. kick plus oh, trigger yeah, yeah, the yeah. gag oh, reflex yeah. at the same yeah. time to just like launch everything out of Miss Militia. Oh, Holy oh, cow. God, that was rough. What a brutal yeah. maneuver. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That was, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. And yet to they still almost got beaten by the protectorate solely because of Arms Master being Arms Master. Right. Like what oh, a arms master oh. being Batman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I love okay, speaking of speaking of Batman energy, when Gru shadows them, right? And then Taylor runs out to the balcony and Arms Master strides out after her, just the mm-hmm. no look smack with his oh, halberd yeah. to hit oh. to hit Brutus back oh. into the darkness. Yes. It's just like, oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, like you can just—that's yeah. a scene that I can see in my mind. Where like Taylor's running, she's breathing heavy. She hits the pole or hits the you know the the edge of the balcony, spins around. Arms master emerges, the darkness like a little bit you know clinging to him, and then just no turn, smack into. Oh, it's so good. It's this such was a good definitely, scene. This was definitely because going through this again, rereading it again, I was trying to remind myself like Arms Master is is just one of my favorite characters of the story. And I was trying to remember, like, where where was it that I was like, yeah, Armist Master, he's cool. And it was like, oh, it was this arc. <laughs> it was it was right now. Th- this was. I the remember moment. reading this, and I don't know what I was thinking at the time that Arms Master was a cool guy up until this moment. But this was the moment that I realized Arms Master's kind of an asshole. Oh, this yeah. is when I yeah. really started to like him. This time around, he's an absolute badass. But I remember the first time being the be like, you know what, this arms master, I don't think he's a great guy. <laughs> I'm not too sure true. about this arms master fella. Yeah, he's probably very jaded if you think about it. Because think about mm. like the villains, I unless you're a great villain, like you're constantly just getting busted. You know what I mean? So like whereas yeah. the heroes get more and more experience and level up, as we said earlier. I feel like he is just constantly fighting villains that think they're the shit but aren't. So literally, he's mm-hmm. like looking at Tattletale like, this is a teenage girl. And then she says something yeah. and he's like, I'm going to punch a teenage girl. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, uh, God. It's a really great contrast. And uh, this is, we're kind of going to bridge episodes here as we sort of, uh, I'm going to mention something that's probably more relevant for our, our part two here. But, um, a really great contrast to shows like The Boys, which is sort of like right now the the dark, gritty, realistic superhero portrayal, right? But in The Boys, it's it's the complete opposite, right? The the heroes have no idea how to fight. They're not actually heroes. It's all just for show. Where in this case, it's the it's the opposite of that. You can clearly tell, like you're saying, Taylor. Uh, that like Armsmaster's been through this before. He's been yeah. out on the on the streets for like a decade or so at this point. Like, what? Is, this is just another stupid wannabe villain uh, <laughs> that he's got to shut up and like, like, oh my gosh, are we really having to do this? Again. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Love it. Get sort of that veteran, that grizzled sort of veteran feel for him. And, and Miss Militia as well, like all of them kind of have yeah. that right. feeling. And yet from Taylor's perspective, all she can see is this douche who wouldn't do what she wanted to, him to do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <right>. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I love that teenager perspective in a way where it's just like, listen, listen, Taylor, you got to understand. He's been around a minute. Yes. And, and it really does. It, it sort 15. of brings back. Yeah, exactly. It's, and kind of going back to what we were talking about with their first kind of big confrontation or well, second rather big confrontation where we sort of get that Taylor thinking that she's in control of the situation when she's really not. And sort of the, the evolution of that here where again, yeah. like, who are you? <laughs> like, that's, that's what they're thinking. Take a here. seat, young Skywalker. Yes! <laughs> exactly. Uh, oh, oh, big God. Master Windu energy coming out of Armor's uh, Master. Love it. Yeah. yeah. Love it. Uh, I just, you know, it's, it's, mm. uh, we had another moment in here where like they're fighting, and I want to just harken back to at one point in time, uh, Arms Master, I think, is talking shit to, to Skitter, and Bitch says something about it. Oh, yeah. 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 We mentioned that earlier. She says, um, what did she say? She says the, the whole, Oh crap, I can't who said it? Nick, you said it earlier. What what is the line? Oh, Lung underestimated her too, you know. Yes. Or something like that. Mm, something yeah. to that oh, effect. Good. We lo- I I love that. That little backup moment from Bitch. Like that was such a fun. Like, oh, thanks, bitch. <laughs> yeah. Building the what what did we call what what's the what's the ship name for them? Forget. Oh gosh. Oh. <laughs> I don't <Scritch>. remember. <gasps> What about Scritch? Ooh, <laughs> I like, like that. That's good. That's not bad. That's not bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, no, and then finally ending, like, you know, Arms Master for all his stuff, he's thinking five steps ahead, but what he wasn't thinking is five steps at the same time. And Taylor outplays him. Love that. Fucking yeah. This yeah, that was, was over from the moment we stepped into the room. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, what a great one-liner too. Yeah. Oh god. And it's it's twice shirt. as good when she hits him with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much better. Uh, you got played, son. Yeah. <laughs> also, also, just to end that, this mm-hmm. bitch still thinks she's leaving. After all this. <laughs> after yeah. telling Armsmaster fuck you to his face. Well, yep. she chucks his. Well, she chucks his halberd over the side, and in her mind, she's like, "She's like, ha, got you. I threw away your stick." And <laughs> and they're and, like, "Ha we uh, run away now." I'm gonna write Miss Militia a letter. I hope not. She's not too upset that Regent kicked the bile out of her. <laughs> the bile out of her. Okay, okay. Well, no, okay. So they go, they go gallivanting off, and poor, poor, uh, poor Tattletail, poor Lisa is passed out on the back of this dog, and Rachel's like, "Help." Someone, someone help, 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 as like she's sliding <laughs> off the dog in an alley somewhere. And they're all like, oh, yeah, we were so cool. Lisa comes awake and goes, wait, what? Why did we stop? Why did we stop? You guys, no. <laughs> He's right there. It's so good. It's so I gotta good. get to the garage, you idiot. And she like, she, because Taylor looks at him and she like has this like, but I threw your halberd moment. And he just kind of, he like looks at her like, you stupid child. Chucks the halberd. and it think like, I would think of that? Yeah, like. Yeah. <laughs> I thought of everything. <laughs> so 
good. It's almost like so he does good. this professionally. <laughs> oh my yep. gosh. It's, it's almost like this isn't a side uh, gig for him. Right. <laughs> right. That he's doing after school. Yeah. <laughs> Go back to school, Taylor. Jeez. Uh, and then we meet, uh, who is it? Dauntless? Uh, yeah, Dauntless. <laughs> we meet Dauntless as well, who has That's an interesting, fun. we don't really see much of what he can do. But mm-hmm. I think the the concept of his power is really interesting. This idea of like you are able what is it, how does it describe? You're able yeah, he so- like puts a little bit of energy into an object every day. Mm-hmm. And that's just that's kind of an interesting power. Can yeah, can someone just give me a little recap on his power? Because I'm not gonna lie, I read it and I was like, I other than the, so, the weird like bubble that he can make, I don't actually so- know what he's doing. He has a what? What? What's his other weapon? He has a shield and uh, he has a he has the bubble, a shield, and he has a, a spear, which oh, apparently he can make That's as right. a, like a lightning spear, which apparently yeah, he can so make the beam the beam as long as he needs it to. Right. Yeah. So Any that's equipment cool. he has every day, he can put a little power into it. You know, like an artificer yeah. in D anD. d But every day he puts that power into it, it's a permanent upgrade. So. Yeah. The longer Mm -hmm. he continues to be a hero, the more powerful his, like, items that he has, the sword, the spear, and shield being the main two, the more he can just keep making them better and with more energy permanently. Right, right, right. right. He's got a a plus three spear. (laughs) Yeah, and just every day he can put a plus, you know, another plus to it. Yeah. Oh, that's impressive. That makes me think of the whole lung thing of like the more you fight him, the stronger he gets. Like the longer that he's a cape, the more the more mm-hmm. powerful Donalus's weapons become. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Also, exactly. I just have a bunch of things that just say "fuck you, arm master" in here. Starting with <laughs> earbuds. Fuck you, arm master. <laughs> oh yeah, that was smart. That but was to good. be fair, also genius. Yeah, so good. I mean, it's smart, but also fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then, of course, you're going into the, the fucking garage just to see Armsmaster disappear. Wow. <laughs> I do love that, that moment of like, wait, what's happening? And then he's just gone. <laughs> uh, fucking wrecked. Literally, train wrecked even, you might say. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> train wrecked. <laughs> so we move out of the party crash to the confrontation and the uh, arrival of their saviors in the form of the travelers. We get a few more, a few more travelers appearances and a little, little showmanship there along with circus as well. Did that feel uh, a little deus ex machina or did that feel planned? I mean, it felt deus ex machina uh, like, I don't know, like theatrically. I mean, I was here for it. I, 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 yeah, I, yeah. If especially with Tattletale having known that they were there, like, hey, we need to get to the the you know the parking garage. Like, that's where we need to be. I, I think my my thoughts on why it feels like a Deus Ex Machina is the fact that nobody else, the Undersiders, knew that they were their backup or their potential right. backup. Like, I think if if they had known, which obviously the story you know wouldn't be quite as exciting if they knew. But like we as the reader don't necessarily need to know the plan. Well, well, as long as they know it, because we, you know, we enjoyed the party crash scene, not knowing what their plans were. Um, 
And so I think if, if they had known about it, it would have felt a little bit more, oh yeah, no, totally planned out every way of escape. And the fact that, you know, the boss was also here was like a, a fun little bonus, but it, mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm not upset. Like, sure. It feels a little, you know, overpowered, whatever, but I, I'm not upset by it just because it was such a fun little way to have them there and be like, oh yeah, this is fun. We just get to sit back. And uh, watch Armsmaster get thrown about. That was that's fun. I'm here for that. And it was a great way to introduce our our boss for the Undersiders, yes. which I thought yes. was was a lot of fun to finally see that. So, speaking of which, I want to go to our first time readers. Uh, did you see that coming? Was was that who you had pegged? I think Taylor, if I remember correctly, Taylor, you had said that uh, in the last arc when they were all kind of sitting around the table and that in the in the villain sort in of hangout. Restaurant. I think yeah. you called it, if I remember right. But I think uh, so. you definitely said something yeah. about Coil, and I was like, mm. "Oh, he's close." I was like, "Oh, he's, he's so close." Yeah, yeah because yeah. I just the way, especially once we got to the battle, and I I missed this episode. I was out. But um, the way his soldiers fought and everything, I was like, oh yeah, these guys are next level. I was like, okay, Coil is, Coil is definitely the one like back here doing things. So I'm excited that we that we met him so soon. Yeah, yeah, they definitely definitely doesn't um, doesn't let it sit for too long. Like we get a few arcs there where it's a mystery, but it's not like it's not dragged out, which I think was wise because. Like, I mean, Taylor, you kind of figured it out. I think a lot of us, to some degree, had suspicions the first time we read it. Um, you know, at least... Oh, I had was... no idea. Okay, Kat, so it was a total shock? Just, I was going on straight vibes. I was imagining, like, kingpin type of person or a complete um, 180 and it actually being arms master or something like that. Mm. Mm. Although I do like it being coil, I had absolutely... I literally not even a inkling that it was going to be. That's fun. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he doesn't give off like big sinister vibes. He just kind of like... He's like, y'all want to make some money? Which is exactly (laughs) what he is. He tries to keep it low-key. I think that was the only thing that tipped me off the first time was the fact that like, oh, he's just... Whoever the boss is is obviously loaded. And then when you're meeting all of the villains... Coil, Coil is the only one clearly loaded. Just <laughs> army. Yeah, exactly. It's like ah, I bet you there's yeah, a because it's not there. about to be Kaiser. I mean, he's loaded, oh, but you know. But his yeah, 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 the racism would get in the way of ever exactly being right. smart and, yeah. and and the homophobia and the everything. A lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> I do I do like though how it how he the Undersiders aren't his only team. How immediately yeah. he feels very prepared right you get the sense that he's very much in control he's got lots of lots of pieces on the chessboard if you will um and he he very much feels like that sort of grand master studying the board and moving place moving uh pieces around yeah well if, is this a good time to jump into chapter eight where coil gets in the car with everybody because oh i think I it would be like yes 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 because yes. so so for mm. chapter eight um coil <laughs> gets everyone in a vehicle in a a limousine, a armored limousine, 
Uh, well, they just and, got back from the party, so, you know, right, course, after prom. Sure. Have, um, <laughs> after yeah. prom. Uh, and re- explains his master plan and basically offers them all a job should they continue to work for him. And what an offer. What an what offer an indeed. Offer. I would take it, just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the, like, here's everything that everybody's asked for. Yes. Um, yeah. And and that. Taylor's like, I could, you know, it's the, I can ask for anything of the genie. And he's like, ask me anything. And she's like, cool. Like systemically fix everything. And he's like, what color do you want that dragon to be? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I, I, I really love, I, I think this is, well, like, like before with how Armsmaster is so prepared with all the research he's done on the undersiders in the same way. I love that Coyle knows each and every one of them. And that Taylor is kind of the wild card because she's the new, she's the new, uh, you know, group member and kind of this thing of like, well, I know what, I know what Tattletail wants. And cause you know, we have this agreement and I know what Gru wants cause we've already been working on it. And I know what Regent wants because uh, fun fact about his, you know, little dro- name drop there or not, I guess not no name drop, but like a fun little pass drop. And then, and then, and we know what bitch wants. She just wants her dogs, you know? So like you, Taylor, you're the only wild card. What, what do you want? And I love that kind of putting her on the spot to kind of, you know, cause everyone's staring at her, you know, this, this little limousine and everyone's looking right at her and she's like, shit, I can't trip Tattletail's, you know, lie detector as it were practically. So I have to be as honest as I possibly can. And like, it is a very honest answer. Like I just want the city to be good like i want the docks to be better and i want you know i want the the drugs to be off the streets and i want the city to be good and the ferry running like it's a very unselfish answer Mm -hmm. but he's very clearly like i'm already doing i'm already planning on working on that so come up like almost like bad answer try again like come up with something better yeah, and I, I like the way he frames it too. He says, "I'm not going to claim to be a good person, but I am a proud person." Yes. And if and Ooh, anything that yeah. looked like I wasn't the best I could be would be a wound to my ego. Right. Um, and I just like the Talk way he about, frames that because it does feel like yes. it feels like well, in a way, it feels like an honest thing that I think more people believe maybe than they realize. It's like mm-hmm. the reason you want to do a good job is not because you really care, but because it's your ego at stake. Um, mm-hmm. But I think too, as a villain, I like that too because it shows, yeah, this guy is thinking about what he's doing, but he's he's very calculated because he's so proud, because he wants to prove that he's the best. Um, and I just think that's kind of interesting uh, yeah, that perspective of a villain. Gorgeous character motivation there yeah yeah there's a there's a really i mean there's a lot of uh, you can make a lot of comparisons with other with other villains in in superhero stories but i think the easy one is it's it's very similar to like a lex luther uh where his he's he's very evil he's got his evil things but in the in the comics lex becomes president at one point and does well like is very successful and well liked because of that ego, because he has that exact same sort of motivation, and it's kind of that it's the, it's that funny moment where like, yeah, Superman, you, you got to go beat Lex Luthor, but also he's 
unemployment is down and, 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 and poverty is down. And, and like, maybe we should just let him do his thing for a little bit and see what happens. <laughs> Isn't that the, the classic joke is like super villains nowadays would have such an easy time recruiting millennials. They'd be like, listen, I'll pay off your student debt and give you good health insurance. And you're like, I'm in. Sign me up. I'm here for it. Exactly. exactly. But you get that moment with, with Koi. You're like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Let him, let him cook. Let what? him finish. Let him cook. Yeah. yeah. Let's, see, let's, see, let's see what he's... Let's We're see what he about does. to rob a bank. Say no more. Yeah. Exactly. No, great moment. Also, I like the idea that Taylor has been, you know, of course lying slash omitting the truth to the undersiders, but specifically to Lisa, who she's closest with. And she's been so paranoid about this. And in the end, looks like Lisa's been lying to Taylor as well. Yeah, everyone's yeah, keeping secrets. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Which we haven't said that, like, Lisa knows that Taylor's lying, but, like, She's got come a suspect, on. right? Like, and, she's and got I to know that, something. Yeah, and I think that, like, Lisa probably feels less bad about Taylor lying to her because she knows she's lying to her as well. Mm, yeah, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. I mean, we we just joked about how Aisha read Taylor like a book within 30 seconds. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> yeah. I think I think it's safe to say Taylor uh, Lisa's got a got a bit of a yeah. read. And I think she also I think Lisa probably already also knows that Taylor's been lying both. Mm. Because, like she had a realization that I mean, in the next chapter, but I mean, she just has a realization that like, oh, wait, I actually do like these people. I guess I right. actually like, what is she going to do? Is she going to write that letter to Miss Militia and be like, there are, there are coils, the freaking bad guy. And he's wanting to do this awful thing. Like get rid of the other bad guys and get rid of yeah. all yeah, make marijuana legal and <laughs> like good it's awful like what <laughs> like yeah it just it makes me so mad that we live in the worst timeline because if you look at like our billionaires <laughs> that are like oh i'll run for i'm not going to say names but they're like i'm gonna run for president and drain the swamp and then they get there and you're just like what the fuck are you doing and it's like why couldn't we have a coil why couldn't we have a coil that's just like, right. let's just get rid of like anyone that's 70 years or older and in the Senate, let's just go ahead and get rid of them. You know, we'll just walk into the Senate chambers and go, boo! And then just, that'll yeah. be that. Give them but, a heart attack. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It just makes me so mad because I'm like, where's our Batman? Where's our Batman? Yeah. yeah. But also, where's our, where's our actual Lex Luthor's? Yeah, right. But that is, I mean, not to get too meta with the genre, but that is sort of the power of of the fantasy and superhero genres. You kind of do get to to play with and, and parallel a lot of real world issues in really fun and exotic ways that don't make sense literally, but make sense thematically. Oh yeah, and uh, and yeah, no, I think I think you're kind of spot on there, which is a lot, a lot of fun to play with. And it is interesting too. Coil does have powers. He's not just mm-hmm. a super rich guy who's really intelligent. He has some kind of fate manipulation power, mm-hmm. which is just wild. Oh, and I love so it. Yeah, he's, so I'm saving, he's I'm the saving classic, that for the prediction. Yeah, he's <laughs> the classic big, like, uh, the, 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 the evil genius. Like, his power is not a direct thing. He has 
plans for the whole city. Um, reasonable plans. He's not about taking over the world because that would be too much. But Actually. like, I love that he's just, he's the classic mastermind. Like we had, you know, classic female friend Lisa and this is classic like Bond villain evil mastermind. Like, Except a million times better. Like, I don't, I, I would I, say he yes. doesn't fit into that, like, that classic thing well, at no, all. No. What, what do you want to do? You're the evil supervillain. What do you want to do? I want to take over Metropolis. And do what? Oh, I just want to run it. Like, I'll <laughs> run it way better. I just want to be the person running right. it. Like, oh. Oh. Well, and that, and okay. that kind of, uh, so I'll, I'll let Taylor and Kat think about this for a moment because we'll, we'll come back to it here when we're, when we're done with these last couple chapters. But that was, that's kind of my, one of my prediction questions is how do you think Two parts, like how do you think Coil's power works, and how is he using it? Is sort of uh, is sort of my prediction there. So think about that because we'll come back to it here. Um, but yeah, a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of fun to sort of to to speculate about Coil. But with that being said, let's go ahead. I, we got a couple more chapters to wrap up yeah. here. We got we got chapter nine, which is the sad chapter, uh, and then we have the interlude. So chapter nine. Taylor goes home on the way home, you know, working this mental letter to Miss Militia, gets home and is confronted by Danny. And they have a very, on Taylor's part, very charged and explosive, you know, interaction. Uh, ending not great as she leaves. Way to, way to bring it all down, Taylor. Yeah, it's God. intervention please. time, baby. Yeah, for real. <laughs> Lock the doors and pull out the chairs. Yeah, can I? Can yeah. we just take a poll real quick? So, how many? How many of us feel like um, Danny, uh, like locking the doors and kind of like forcing Taylor to talk was the right move? Uh, Bueller, Bueller. I don't know I don't if know. it's the perfect move, but I don't. I feel like it wasn't the wrong one. I, like I completely understand it. Yeah, yeah, I, I sympathize with it. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, looking uh, kind of from our perspective, and obviously getting to see Taylor's side of everything, it's easy to be like, "Well, Danny, you fucked up." But but at the same time, you're also like, "What else could he have done?" Yeah. At that point, yeah. Like She's I don't like, I don't know what he should have done. Right. Because she's not show like. She would not come home. Like he's lucky to get her coming home because yeah, she's been exactly. away. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's hard. It's I, hard. I feel like for what he, you know, the position that he was in, basically what Taylor has given him to work with, which is nothing, because she has not, she hasn't, she hasn't been yep. communicative. She hasn't been trustworthy. She hasn't been telling him the truth in regards to school. Like he is at the end of his rope here, and it's because of Taylor because she's blocked him out. And I think that, like, you know, looking from the outside, looking in and seeing both of, you know, both of them in this scenario, like, was it the best decision? No. But, like, was it the best he could do at the time? Like, yeah. Yeah. He, he's, he is a panicked single parent who doesn't know what to do about his daughter. He loves her so much and he has no idea how to get her to talk to yeah. him. And so he resorts mm -hmm. to kind of this... I'm, you know, I'm locking all the doors. I'm barring the escape route, 
roots, you know, and she's like, oh, I need to go to the bathroom. He's like, well, I'm, I'll escort you because I don't, I don't trust you not to just run away from this conversation because you've done it over and over and over again. And I'm desperate to talk to you. Yeah. There's definitely that, that fear in, in Danny where yeah. he's already lost his wife mm-hmm. and he clearly sees that he's losing his daughter too. And like, yeah. I just hurt for him so much uh, without being able to relate to him in any way, shape, or form. But just that that kind of pain has got to just be overwhelming. And like, yeah. oh man, <laughs> it's, it's, it's brutal. It's, how do you, how do you deal with that? And it's so that? hard to look at also because um, Kat and I have been watching a show called The Bear, which I'll go ahead and plug. It's awesome. But um, without spoiling anything, there's a dynamic between two characters where like one character does something and the other character like confronts him as an equal. Um, Like, hey, like, what are we doing here? Like, I need to be consulted. Like, what are we doing? Like, what is happening? When in reality, like, one character is the parent and one character is the 15-year-old daughter. Like, you are not equals in that situation. Um, I don't, and and I know that people will attack me and be like, so you're saying that, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that parents are like these totalitarian dictators, but also like your job as a parent is to get your child ready to survive in the real world. And he is literally watching her go down a path and he's like, okay, like we need to stop this. And so a little Mm -hmm. bit of what I saw in Taylor is like, how could he do this to me? How could he, how could he do that? Because it was just things that I had seen in myself as a teenager that I look back on it now and I'm like, oh yeah, I totally wish I would have listened to what my parents were telling me because they were coming from a place yeah. of, we've done this before. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. I really It's like interesting, that. the first time I read this, like Danny was just like, ah, he's a character. Like he's, there's literally yeah. no relatability. Like, you're just like, oh, this will be interesting to see whatever turns out. And now every time Danny shows up, I like- Bless him. Just bl- bless him. Bless him. him. <laughs> like it hurts half the time. You know what? It hurts like 90% of the time he's there because something yeah. bad always happens and it's not his fault and he's just dealing with it, you know? Yeah. He is a single dad doing his best with a really, really shit- shitty situation and a daughter that won't open up to him. Yeah. It's, and ugh. I feel like other than the one time he got angry on her behalf, yeah, like she really doesn't, like the relationship that's described otherwise doesn't really show why she hasn't opened up to him. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I feel like they've had the bonding experiences. They're, they're clearly so close. And yet, like, he he feels like, what the hell happened? Like, what, why? I don't what understand. I yeah. And, and he thought leaving it alone would be the better option. And it's only led to her living somewhere else, basically. Like, yeah. so he's gone the other way where he's like, I guess I have to lock the doors because I've been too nice. Is that how, how long has she been gone? I, I think it's implied that it's been like a, a couple weeks. It's not that long, but it's definitely like I, several, several days. I was about to say, I think. I think it's, has it been only like a, I thought it was only about a week. Maybe it's just a week. Yeah. Maybe that, maybe that's it. I mean, however long it's, it's not been. It's a terribly long time. Yeah. I mean, to not be at home, though, as a single dad, you have a 15-year-old daughter. You don't mm-hmm. really know the people that she's hanging out with. Oh, yeah. Right. yeah. I don't know. I, I get the, I, I get like his extreme concern, 
you know. Well, and and Alan, you were you were kind of alluding to it, but we're basically kind of right at that point too, where uh, where she could have just told him everything. And as the reader, we're like, that's what we wanted to do because we feel like Danny probably would have just listened. It would have been a hard conversation, but uh, but they would have yeah. listened to it. So they were they were so close. Does anyone have any sort of final thoughts on that chapter before we move on to the interlude? Oh, I do, but I also don't want to drive this out so long. Yeah, we, we could talk for a while on it for sure. It's a, mm-hmm. it's, it's a very well-written chapter and, and a, really, a really good close to the arc as a whole. because It's sort of really upbeat. It sort of shifts the tone, brings it kind of back down. Kind of sad. Very sad and <laughs> depressing. But... Yeah. Um, but definitely a sort of a good end. And I think it works as a capstone to the arc as well, because it really does feel like Taylor's turn towards villainy is nearing completion, if not there already. And the end, the way the chapter ends is like, Danny is that last, that last tether towards yes. redemption. And yeah. hey, go, ahead and, uh, go ahead and drop some comments in the chat and just let us know. If you want us to revisit that and all come up with a solution that what we would have done, let us know. We'll <laughs> yeah. see what we'll do. We'll, we'll come back and revisit it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I will say, I think it's the first time I've actively disliked Taylor. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, it definitely gets a little bit of that. So. Yeah. yeah we, well, I mean, we go back to... Not the last time. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, this <laughs> is like, we go back time. to like... You know, powers, trigger events, states. She's trapped in the locker again. Yeah. yeah. Except yeah. the locker yep. is her own house and her dad is yeah. the bully. Ooh. Oh, that hurts me. Too yeah. sad. All right. Happy oh. things. Okay, let's. <laughs> the interlude. Let's, uh, let's, let's talk about happy <laughs> things. How do you feel about penitentiary systems? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so we have the interlude here where we meet uh, Canary. And her powers as she's getting sent to the birdcage. We run back into Lung and Bakuda, and we get a good look inside the birdcage. And uh, we meet Dragon, and we kind of get a little bit of a description of the birdcage and whatnot. And then uh, we end with a with, with Lung just ganking, ganking Bakuda. Mm-hmm. Lordy, you got, you got to make a name for yourself in prison. You got to make a statement in yeah. prison. What can what can we say? Yeah, not a long chapter, not, not a lot to really go through, but definitely some some important uh, important moments here. Yeah. yeah, I like I like what the judge says when Canary is getting her sentence, basically talking about like we do live in a society where powers are a problem, and we have to be able to deal with them severely to set a precedent. And like, I think I think one of the things even the judge even said was that like we're dealing with new powers every week. Like there are new powers popping up and we're needing to learn and alter our system to take care of, you know, our society and our people from, you know, people with powers, capes that are, whether in in Canary's case, not intentional harm, but harm nonetheless. And like, we have to set a precedent for that and we have to have a system that works. Otherwise, what's, Mm -hmm. what's the point of the judicial system, you know, in this world at all? Yeah. Yeah, this this chapter felt very like Senate hearings in the Phantom Menace, like discussing <laughs> trade blocks, blockades, and things. But well written <laughs> is yeah. the caveat there. Where yeah. like you you sort of get the into Wookiees. the weeds. 
yeah. <laughs> get a little into the weeds of, like you're saying, the uh, the judicial system in a in a super powered society, which like. We don't really want to see that. We don't. Want, I mean, in this story, don't get me wrong. A court drama with just superheroes would be. <laughs> I would watch the shit out of that. Still yeah. waiting on it, Marvel. Still yeah. waiting on it. <laughs> One of these days, we'll get it. Uh, yeah, but um, but it's but it's sort of touching on a lot of that stuff that we don't really. Again, Wildbo does this a lot, right? We don't. We don't need to see this, but the fact that we yeah. do. It just it's grows fun. the world. Yeah, exactly. It just yeah, it's, it's elevates fun. the world building, uh, which is a lot of fun. And then, of course, we get the the birdcage, the unescapable prison. We finally get the real reason that Wild Bo won't use the word dragon for long <laughs> because it <laughs> fucks up the word search. <laughs> Not wrong. Yeah, we get dragon. Introduction of dragon. Great character. Great prison. Yeah. A lot of fun. Oof. I yeah. love that they uh, that it looks like the breakout is gonna work. Like Bakuda is outsmarting all the systems <laughs> and the collars, yeah. and everything looks good. Like it's sort of brutal, and she's breaking through everything, and gets Canary to use her powers and Lung to use his powers. And you think they're gonna break out, and they're just right in the prison. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> no people around. It's all mechanics. You like, stupid yeah. bitch! You thought you could have an escape. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is the this is the fucking birdcage, man. No one oh, escapes. Man. The can we cage. can we also talk about how poor Canary ended up in there in the first place? Oh, poor thing. Oh. <laughs> you know, the problem when saying "go fuck yourself" and they yeah. try. If your power, if your power is to, you know, basically be able to tell people Influence what to people. do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Say. <laughs> oh, I, I do love that Dragon said something though. She she was like, basically, I, I don't think you belong here. I, I did write a letter to the judge on your behalf. Like, Dragon did not have to do that, but yeah, he did yeah. anyways. Like that that says a lot. Yeah. Which is a great introduction to the character and uh, yes. kind of something we'll see more of, which is a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. Uh, but that's that's about it. Uh, unless anyone had some final thoughts in the interlude, but it's not a, it's not a too so it's a world building interlude. It's sort of yeah. just kind of yeah. improves yeah, the story. Keeping up with what's going on in the bigger world and getting yeah, to meet a few more yeah. characters. Yeah. We don't necessarily need it all in the, you know, normal chapters, but having like some extra world building in the interludes is kind of a nice, like refreshing break from mm-hmm. Taylor being a fucking judgy bitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially <laughs> especially right after the the last chapter. Yeah. Uh, the interlude was like a, a little glass of cool water and just sort of refreshing. Yeah, exactly. Well, that about does it for arc six. Uh, we do have some, some reoccurring segments to touch on. Uh, let's go with... Uh, Favorite new new superpower? We got a, We got a handful here yeah. to choose from. Oh. A lot of new powers have popped up. Any anything? Any new powers? Sort of uh, sort of shine for anybody? I got a quick one. Um, it just stood out to me. Uh, circus. Um, mm. Circus yeah. is a character that's grown on me every time that I've read this series. Um, and this time, Circus's disappearing sledgehammer attacks yes. are just <laughs> fucking brutal. Holy cow. <laughs> like, she's essentially... Yeah, uh, well, I would say, we don't know, but they're essentially Harley, the Harley Quinn package of, like, giant right. sledgehammer, explosives, fire, yeah. acrobatics. Mm-hmm. Like, except just 
the you know pulls the sledgehammer out of midair, hits the knee, swings around because it disappears. So they just keep spinning and then brings it out to get the momentum coming oh. back. Yes. Like, oh, oh my oh, gosh. Lord. That whirlwind <laughs> attack. And 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 all not just the whirlwind attack, but the up and down movement too, where like in order to bring, like she hits, brings the hand up, and then they hit again because they don't have the hammer in the hand. So they can just, <laughs> you know, make the fist and bring it down and summon the hammer mid-swing on the downstroke. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. They could hit we like a drummer. Mm-hmm. Like that's just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, really yeah. fun. Really I do fun like power. the idea of of having her own little, uh, like she has her own basically pocket dimension. Yeah, is, is the way mm-hmm. it sounds like where she's like, yeah, she can just store things in places. You know, as weird as that sounds, yeah. I, I, like clown space. <laughs> it's clown space. It's yeah, clown pocket. space. Exactly. Yeah. It's clown space. Exactly. Where all the clowns yeah. go when they jump in the car. Yeah. <laughs> my favorite power though just because I think it's hilarious too is uh, Trickster the ability mm. to teleport either yourself and another object or <laughs> just random two random objects that you can see with the really weird restriction that he has I think that's cool it's a unique take on the teleporter power and mm. the fact that he has to be really smart with it he can't just you know and I love to what see Armsmaster gets replaced by like a concrete entryway beam. Is that right? Basically, yeah, yeah something like that. So. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, so that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and that's I think cool. it's I think it's also a little telling. It's funny you mentioned that because I was thinking about that because I think it's Tattletale who says who sort of describes mm. that he has to swap yep. things of of relatively equal mass. So. <laughs> You think about the weight of one of those concrete like dividers. It's oh, yeah. like those things are heavy. Sort of implies just how much Armsmaster has on him and is able yeah, to store on him. Exactly. We mentioned yeah. a little yeah. bit that Armsmaster his like cuz he's a tinker that potentially he fits more into his halberd than should be there. Um yeah. and that you know his ability might be something about like uh, combat, compacting or condensing technology or you know devices. So you yeah, know, yeah, why? Hence, why he's you know a pile of bricks and then some. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good one. <laughs> and speaking of that, I'll just quickly say it's sort of a cop out, but we do see more powers. So for me, my answer is Arms Master, mm. just because we see more yeah. of what he can do. Well, I mean, yeah, we didn't see what fun. he could do before. No. Spoiler no. alert, Arms Master will be my answer for all of these questions moving forward. <laughs> uh, well, but it has to be new, Jacob. Yeah, come on. I mean, uh, I mean just I'll, judging I'll from how out. he dealt, you know, with uh, the <laughs> undersiders, it seems like he does come up with new stuff every time. Like he's that's like, true. Yeah, that's you think, true. you know, that's true. You think you can deal with this? I got a solution to your bug thing. Well, bam. Yeah. I mean, well, he is a tinker, so he's constantly coming up with new new things. Which I will say on the tinker note as well, I appreciate that a power that could be kind of boring as a generic idea of like, what do you do? Oh, I can make stuff. I do appreciate that Wild Bow does a good job of keeping it interesting. I feel like the powers are very interesting, yeah. It also makes you think, like, as we examine other worlds, like Tony Stark and Batman are potentially 
both tinkers. Batman is a combat tinker, and Tony Stark probably isn't a combat tinker, but he's like, um, you know, I don't know what his he's like an energy tinker. Yeah, like an energy tinker. That'd be the right they both, but... you know, they both have their like super suits of different kinds, and they're both they mm-hmm. are both tinkers, like. And not something I would ever thought I would classify Batman as, but I would I would almost put Batman as a thinker with with a like a with a Maybe light tinker power. Yeah. 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 Or, yeah. or, or vice versa. Batman. Yeah. Detective Batman. Oh, that's another that's fun God, okay, we gotta stop before we go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> that's the other fun thing that a lot of worm fans will do is just categorize every other superhero, every other superhero. with the uh with the worm classification. You just gotta, Paul. You just gotta yeah. <laughs> Uh, well, I'll say my favorite power for this this arc. I I really like Canary. I think Canary is very mm. fun. Like mm. she, I, I love that she, you know, classified as rogue. She doesn't she doesn't want to be a hero or a villain. She just wants to sing. She wants to be a pop star. Like that was her goal. And it just she just got, you know, she saw the the bad side of it. Like you know, be responsible with your powers, kind of thing. But I love her. I think she's so cool with her her you know canary yellow hair and like the feathers that are kind of coming through like in her hair on her scalp i just i think she's so she's such a fun like visually i think she's a very fun uh character and then her powers like she's singing you know wordlessly not necessarily having words in them but can still impact people i think that's i think that's really fun i like that a lot yeah definitely a fun visual very much like a like that you know classic mythological siren yes sort of. yeah i love it any other any other powers before we move on to our final question of the evening? All right, let's just let's just get into it. We'll wrap this up as always with our predictions. Well, hang on. Or, let me go ahead and uh, let me go ahead oh, and do the wrap up. Michael Scott and I oh. have been planning. This is going to be the wrap up that we're going to do on every okay. episode. Just have to come up with something different. Okay. Go All right, it. gang. Well, I am at the second story of this house, and Michael Scott is hanging out the window, motioning me for me to wrap this up. So let us go ahead and get some of these predictions in. Um, <laughs> Jacob, Jacob did add a caveat. He added a caveat to this one. I'm going to say that um, as far as how Coil's power works, I'm going to say it's like that. So Raven, where he will kind of get a flash or a sense of what he thinks is coming. He just doesn't know how to get there. So... Oh, okay. Whether or not it happens the way he plans for it to happen or not, that's what my guess is going to be. Um, well, but I'm still... I don't know about my power thing, but are you saying that it's Raven Simone? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> but um, but I don't know. I, I still, I'm still shipping Taylor as just joining the bad guy side or whatever this new faction is going to be, this Blackwater faction. <laughs> but um, definitely, definitely, I want to say that 9-11 already happened. But this could also be leading up to 9-11. I just don't know. So we'll see. <laughs> As always, that's going to be our reoccurring segment for, for you, Taylor. We'll just always bring that back. Yeah, Michael was like, I need you to come up with the most creative things like that you can. And I'm like, I can do that. <laughs> it's like, well, Michael Scott right. just finished blowing me under this desk and we're going to go ahead. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Wait, what? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> That's not what I meant. My I know. I was trying to get a. I was trying to get a rise out of you. You on your toes, Michael. Oh, good Lord. That one's too. That's not creative. That's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> no, he just goes, what? 
What? I expect <laughs> that in the Discord by tomorrow. Uh, exactly. Well, I've been trying to get hard for the past two hours, but it's not working, so Michael's giving me the sign. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, can we please... Cat, Cat, give me your predictions. Save okay. us, Cat. Um, I kind of thought it was his power worked more like things just go his way. Like, the what, like he wants something to go a certain way, and it does, but not... And like a everything goes perfectly sort of way, just like it gets there. It may not get there smoothly, but like they're always going to get out or whatever. So that's what that's how I imagined it when he was explaining his um, little destiny power. Domino from from the Deadpool Deadpool two, yeah, sort of similar in 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 vibe. Okay, I like it. I like it. Yeah. Um, and then predictions, I mean, I've been saying this from the beginning. She's obviously staying with the Undersiders. She's leaning into that villain. I think this is like, now that she's come to a realization, right? Oh, wait a minute. I actually like these people being my friends. Um, and I don't actually want to betray them. Um, I think she's going to lean into it really hard, really lean into the, making these relationships. And we're just going to start seeing her soar into her, I want to say anti-hero, because I don't think she's a full villain. Like, you know, she does things that society doesn't think is good, but she's doing them for reasons that she thinks are morally good. So I think she's actually going to get pretty close with Coil, though, because it seems like he may have some similar opinions in that regard. Just, although his mm-hmm. he's very clear on, like, my, I am not a good person. I, like, I just want things to be this way because if I'm in charge I don't want a shitty city I want a good city but hers she's still not realizing what her motivations are so we'll see. Mm. yeah all right I love it we'll keep an eye on those and with that we'll go ahead and wrap up this episode of the Brockton Bay Book Club uh, be sure to stick around for uh, part two dissecting worm where we'll dive into the arc again this time from uh, the adaptation perspective as we look at how we would adapt this specific arc for our ongoing television script. It's going to be a lot of fun. And as always, please let us know what we missed. Did we skip somebody? Did we totally forget a cool power? Uh, let us know what your favorite powers were and uh, anything else that, that we almost certainly didn't address. Uh, and uh, for next week, I think we're going to stick with uh, Arc 7. I think we're going to try to go for all of Arc 7 for the next episode, plus the interlude. So read along with us. Uh, we have a very exciting announcement. We now have a voicemail, 980-999-0438. That's right, a voicemail. So you can call us, and your voicemail might be featured on one of our episodes. If you'd like to fight me on the podcast, go ahead and leave a voicemail at 980-999-0438. Call in with your comment, leave your cape name, and uh, which one of us you're going to call out on this podcast. We'd love to hear from you and love to engage with you on the podcast.
right, and welcome back to part two, Dissecting Worm, uh, with myself, Jacob, and Alan, back as always. hey uh, And I think we're just going to jump right into the arc here, breaking it down, adapting for television. This is, this is a pretty meaty arc. There's, there's quite a lot here to work with, it's certainly enough to fill out an episode, but we're also sort of coming off of a few revisions we've been doing and I see some more in our future. So definitely some stuff to sort of uh, sort through here. If you agree. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I think we say that this one, you know, we want to jump right into it. That's how this starts off. Yeah. Um, you know, kicking off with just right into the action of like hunting down the last of the ABB mm-hmm. and dealing with them. Um, I think, you know, we talked about before the sort of one of the major revisions that we'd be going over is changing up how uh, the Lung and Bakuda show, like how they show up. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, all the powered heroes from the ABB, because um, I have some thoughts on Oni Lee later. But sure. um, I think we talked about, you know, maybe not nixing the Bakuda fight altogether, but instead moving. Bakuda to here. Um, I think maybe having a lot of those incidents, but with a win under their belt, or at least a draw. Mm-hmm. Um, and then following up with like, ah, yeah, she ran back to her hideout and then the heroes caught her and stopped the bombs and took all the credit. Mm-hmm. Like, well, yeah, she ran back with her tail between her legs, kind of. Right, right. Yeah, and I mean, it, we definitely want to get Bakuda in there in some capacity just because he's relevant later to some degree. So we want to make sure that that the audience is familiar with her and familiar with specifically just how uh, crazy, for lack of a better word, her her bombs are. And uh, yeah, yeah. So so definitely, I th- I think that makes a lot of sense. And. It's it's not exactly a cold open, but it would certainly work as the opening, right? Is to give a whole scene to kind of reframing the 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 end of the ABB and and just putting putting Bakuda there. So yeah, I agree. I think that's a good place to put it. Kind of work around a little bit, use a lot of the same you know dialogue and things like that from the original fight that we're sort of relocating here. And then obviously just just tweaking it a bit so it's a bit more definitive of a of a win. Yeah. I mean, I like the idea of like, you know, they definitely want them to have that win. But mm-hmm. also I love the idea of like, you know, the heroes take credit for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And them going and, you know, catching along, you know, even when he's been absolutely brutalized by Skitter. Right catching Bakuda when she's been weakened by all these people, you know, the villains mm-hmm. working together. Right. I think, you know, this kind of shows that like, yeah, like the heroes are only doing so much, like right. even on right. a day to day, a lot of times the heroes are just getting lucky. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, and of course we'll come back to this, not to jump ahead, but this will have some implications with the interlude for this, this arc as well that we, may end up sort of relocating or, or repurposing. Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely, definitely. Uh, but yeah, that definitely works. So as, here's as something. Beginning. Oh yeah, go ahead. Oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say, here's something I was thinking about, and I, I mentioned it in the other half of the podcast, but 
there was a moment where it talked about like the mandibles on Taylor's mask. Mm -hmm. And it made me uh, consider since Taylor's a new hero, um, what are some things that like, would you want to show progression in terms of the costumes Mm. or, you know, specifically Skitter's costume? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't remember if these mandibles are there to start, but I, for some reason, they just kind of stuck out in my mind. Like, did she add those? Right. Now that she kind of has like, you know, uh, she has a name for herself. She's, you know, solidified right. her place with the Undersiders. Does she, has she added to the costume? Well, um, and, you know, it's, it's kind of funny because um, that's sort of already a, a built-in stereotype for a lot of uh, cinematic superhero stories is especially like film to film. You don't really have too many shows that do it, but definitely in the movies is sort of like the evolution of the, of the costume, right? So Spider-Man's yeah. costume changes, Iron Man gets a new suit, Captain America gets a new suit, etc. So it definitely, I think that works really well. I think to a degree, people are expecting it. They want to see newer costumes and things like that. Um, and it, I think it works thematically with Taylor, like you're saying so well, because she is a new hero and she's improving. And as she's improving, her outfit can also sort of mirror her in, in a sort of a, a meta commentary in, in terms of her allegiance, right? So mm-hmm. uh, I think it can get a little scarier. I can start off a bit more uh, approachable and things like that. Um, and yeah, so maybe that's something we'd want to do season to season. I do like the change within the season too. Just just showing a little bit of that evolution. But I think certainly season to season, you'd want to see, yeah, adding the mandibles, adding some other things, different colors, patterns, you know, however you want to do it. Uh, yeah. Makes I mean, she's got sense. that little carapace thing on her back, but yeah, like maybe yeah. adding more body armor pieces as time goes on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I do like the addition of the tools that she tends to use. Mm-hmm. We'll get into some later, but, you know, for now, she's upgraded from having a can of, pepper spray (laughs) right you know that's in her backpack to now she kind of keeps uh what is it like a taser and no no is it a knife and a and a a baton yeah i think so that's her like two things that she like whips out yeah um you know that's those are an addition to the costume i feel like yeah definitely yeah and definitely an aggressive addition and we'll see Mm -hmm. some more later but i thought that was interesting for now yeah definitely and I feel like a lot of other people, uh, while Taylor's still trying to figure out her place, a lot of other people don't have a need necessarily to change up the costume. Tattletale is, you know, whatever you're comfortable in and a mask, mm-hmm. technically. Right. She's not trying to put herself in harm's way. You know, Regent maybe could change up bitches not even wearing a costume, really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, why should she? Everybody knows who she is. Mm-hmm. So, like, that doesn't need to change. You know, Gru might change up a costume, but I feel like he's got a pretty good thing going, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Well, As and that's for kind everybody, of the thing. I'd say. It, the Undersiders kind of feel, I think, intentionally underfunded and, and new to the scene. Um, yeah. So, I think that makes sense. It kind of fits them. But, but again, over time, we can, we can do a little, show some evolution there. Um, yeah, you know, Taylor hints at, oh, maybe I can, you know, give you guys some armor plating, things like that. So there's definitely 
That's true. Ways That's true. To, ways to show that as the story progresses. We love the uh, the the glow up moment where they're like, "All right, new costumes. Let's go." Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Need our little uh, something to look forward to in later seasons. Yeah. Yeah. Little Power Rangers suit up. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I love it. Uh, so moving past the intro, cold open, not not cold open, warm open, um, <laughs> into the rest of the arc. Uh, kind of just, I'm just going to move sort of, sort of clump of chapters at a time here, but we get a little bit of, uh, stuff in the loft and we get uh, eventually Brian and Taylor hanging out at Brian's apartment. A lot of that, I, I personally feel works pretty well already. I mean, maybe just cleaning up some pacing, but for the most part, yeah, not much to change. There's some exposition there. Uh, like there's talk about the date, you know, that, She's going over to Brian's and they're going to work on the furniture and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Taylor having a conversation with Lisa mm-hmm. about that more um, would fit perfectly with the two of their characters and right. also you know, a good way to get us out of Taylor's head and something that the audience can listen to. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. Um, another, another one that I wrote down was something specifically for you know the set. Taylor doesn't go through the front door of her house. In fact, mm. nobody does. Mm. And unless, you know, you're a guest there because there's like the broken steps and everything. Mm-hmm. She always goes through the back kitchen door. Interesting. Like we even, we even think about it when she's, uh, you know, eat, having breakfast with her dad and like, you know, the second arc, mm-hmm. she's throwing on the tennis shoes you know, in the morning after breakfast and going out for her run out the kitchen door, which is the back of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, not something that we really need to care about for the sake of script writing. It's just something <laughs> right. I noted down. I'm like, yeah, no, I mean, that's good. That's good to have down there. Just sort of, it helps keep, it helps keep things framed uh, consistently. Speaking of framed consistently, when we get, uh, get to the actual date, a lot of framing of hot Brian. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You gotta look a lot good. Of that. Yep. Um, and decorating his apartment, I go with, you know, I talk about the reflection of him and his powers. Mm-hmm. Decorating his apartment's gotta be on point. Yep. Uh and then then we have to discuss how we do the furniture building. It's <laughs> like this feels like montage time, yeah, right? A little bit. There's definitely some some time that passes uh while they're working on it. Uh before Aisha and the and the caseworker arrive. Um, yeah. So do you do? Okay. In my head, it would actually be really funny to get a top down vantage and then do a time lapse of them trying to figure out how to put this thing together. <laughs> right. <laughs> just the, the, them wandering around, like running around, just staring, like holding the instructions, flipping yeah. it upside down, all in super fast motion. Yep. <laughs> exactly. Oh no, there's a lot of fun um, ways you could do that. Um, just to kind yeah, of get that, that or just like let's get to work and then you cut it to you know the it panning to the side and right they're there you know trying to figure it out and uh oh somebody's knocking on the door who could this be mm-hmm. and and I also think because it's definitely an interruption into that moment and I mean Taylor obviously was expecting and and wanted just her and Brian hanging out so it's a bit of a it's a bit of an interruption for her so it should be a little unexpected and it should sort of break up the monotony or break up the break up mm-hmm. the scene mm-hmm. so yeah if you're doing a montage or however you want to do it whatever you end up 
doing, it shouldn't complete, right? It should it should be going on and then gets interrupted and it's a bit jarring uh, intentionally. So, so we get these other characters in there. But no, I agree. I think there's some fun ways you could you could <laughs> you could do the uh, the furniture building. Yeah. Um, anything else in the uh, in the apartment or? Yeah, not much. The rest sort of plays out. I actually really like a lot of the dialogue there, especially between Aisha and Taylor, um, Brian mm-hmm. and the caseworker. Um, not much to really change there. I think. I think it. I think it flows pretty well. I think it's a lovely um, introduction to Aisha as a character, who uh, we'll meet again. Yeah. But nice to sort of get get a moment for her in there. Um, but yeah, I think most of the rest of that scene can can pretty much play out as written. Yeah. Um, so the next thing they find about is, you know, hearing about the, the heroes have captured Bakuda and Long. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go all the way back to the Bakuda fight scene again. Um, okay. I think we need to shorten it up. Okay. I think the big things to have here is Regent straining himself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's good. Yep. Showing that you can overstrain powers and that they have effects on people. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, cutting off the toes. Right. Right. Taylor maybe even being able to like see I don't think we should have them get as fucked up as they do yeah. in the original but um I think Taylor you know chopping off the toes which is what makes Bakuda run in the first place mm-hmm. uh showing off like her army of like villains you want it to be you know since we're kicking it off with this fight want it to be tough but not this isn't a climactic event right well, and you could still do, like, you can start the fight pretty simply. They're beating up a bunch of thugs, a bunch of the gang members, and then, you know, all the time throwing a line or something over a, a radio or something like that about, oh, you know, we got, you know, Bakuda's position, whatever you want to say. And they break in, and she could still be holding hostages, right? You can still do that really intense moment with the hostages, shorten that up a bit, but still sort of allude to her... uh you know, just deranged perspective. Um, yeah, this would also be a good time. We talk about Gru being able to hide like radio signals and stuff in his. Mm, yeah, exactly. Darkness. Yeah, yeah. Be a good time to, to whip that out. Yeah, but I do agree. I think you need to keep the the toe cutting in, uh, if for no other reason, just because it it uh it adds to this growing list of ways in which Taylor outsmarts rather than just overpowers her opponents, which I think Mm -hmm. is pretty consistent with her. And I do really like the way she takes down uh, Bakuda. So I think keeping that in is a good idea. I think having her do something like laying down, keeping her eyes closed, keeping bugs on her Mm -hmm. so she doesn't even see her, essentially playing dead, letting... Because you got to have Bakuda essentially kill herself off in a sense. Right. Like Bakuda is Bakuda's biggest enemy. And I think having Bakuda monologue and then Taylor roll over and stab her in the foot, I think is the way to go. (laughs) I mean, that works. That's not bad. That works pretty well. Um, But yeah, but, but uh, I forget why we went back to what what Uh, that's just when they find out about over the television, that the heroes, you know, solved everything. And they're just like, ah, all right. And then they get the job offer. So now we're talking about um, the job. Mm-hmm. Unless there's something you'd change about like 
them voting. I feel like all that's pretty straightforward. Yeah, pretty straightforward. I'd probably make it a little quicker, um, but I think that the group tension is important, and that you know they need mm-hmm. to move from a from a place of collectively deciding not to to a, to going ahead with it and yeah. have it be due to to Taylor swinging the vote. But yeah, I think you can probably speed it up a little bit. I think that's something we really need to be hammering in. Yeah. Is this dynamic between specifically Taylor and Brian? Because right. that comes into play later. But um, you know, just that Taylor Taylor is able to influence and swing this vote. Right. Um, even though she's the newest member. Right. Yep. Um, but no, I think we can kind of move past that to the to the actual party crash. All right. I think as a whole, this would be a long episode, mind you. Mm-hmm. But I think as long as we didn't spend too much time on the Bakada thing, because mm-hmm. if you spent a decent amount of time on the Bakada thing, followed with Brian's apartment mm-hmm. and the conversation, that's an episode right there. If we're talking like 30 minute episode. Yeah, I think I think for the sake of this, we should we should think in terms of like forty five to an hour for these episodes. Um, just one because yeah. it doesn't that way it doesn't constrict us too much. Um, yeah. And two, like a lot of shows these days, they don't they're not all the exact same to the minute runtimes. You'll have some that are longer, know, some that are shorter. Which I appreciate. Yeah, and just tell the story right. Tell the episode story, and however long it is, is. I mean, it should be relative. You should have like fifteen minutes and then an hour twenty. Yeah, yeah. But you know, they can there can be some variance there. So if this one's a little bit longer, yeah. um, because I don't think I, I did think about breaking it up, but I don't like. There's not really a good place to break it. Like if you break it before the party crash, that's a really slow episode. Um, well, I think I think you you're starting strong with that. You have it back, and then you go to. That them arguing about the job. Right. Are we going to take this job? You build the tension with them arguing. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we're taking this job. And, you know, we're ready, ready to go. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you kick off, you either kick off the next scene or you kick off the next episode with the like staring over the edge of the building. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, very much roller coaster style tilting and just going down with the dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it definitely could work. I, it is an otter pacing. Yeah. The, the only thing is undoable. I, definitely not undoable. I do think consistency throughout the season needs to be important. And the times when shows don't do that well is really noticeable when there's like, like yeah. I'll just, I'm going to call out some of the recent uh, Disney Plus shows, both Marvel and Star Wars and things like that. Like, I do appreciate mm-hmm. that they will, will keep episodes condensed just to tell the story rather than drawing it, things out. But there are just multiple times when it just does not work. And the pacing is, it really suffers. And there's entire episodes that I will either completely forget or wish I did <laughs> because they just yeah. don't do anything for the story. And so, like, I think it's important within each episode that there are these mini arcs uh, that you're telling, right? So these mini story, every episode should begin and end telling something, some kind of story. Um, mm. Old mm. television, I think, did this really well. And I say old because 
old for me. So like, you know, early 2000s, you got like Lost and 24 and sort of those old primetime TV shows, right? Every single one of those episodes, like those were like, I mean, 24, it's in the name, right? 24 episodes per season. Lost was something similar. And yet you remember so much of those shows because the episodes that were released on a weekly basis did such a good job of maintaining interest by by telling stories uh, consistently per episode. So like Lost did this really well, where they would devote entire episodes to other characters, side characters, right? You'd have an entire episode for what this character is doing. Then next week, it'd be an entire episode about what this character is doing. Yada, yada, yada. Obviously, yeah. we're not planning 24-hour-long episode seasons here. I don't think <laughs> you should. But... I do think it's important that if you're if you're going to shorten a story or shorten a moment or make it longer either way that you are you're doing it for the right reasons not just for like oh this is a good cliffhanger here or or you know oh this would let's just end this here so we can put everything into the next episode well then what's the point of the episode you're cutting short you know things like that um yeah I mean, I have a good theme for this episode if you wanted the theme. Which, um, give it to me. Uh, the theme is basically Taylor will do whatever it takes, potentially at the expense of her friends. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe you start off by showing this uh, in the Bakuda fight. Like, you know, there's something that happens where, like, she, in order to get the, you know, get within range of toe stabbing mm-hmm. or something potentially exploits one of her teammates. Um, and in her mind, she's of course justifying it. Like, ah, yes, I used them as bait mm-hmm. so that she could get closer. She was never in any danger, but she did do it. And I think having that, you know, you're having the conversation with Lisa, you're having a conversation with, um, with Brian and this, you know, learning about Lisa and Brian, especially, you know, the last episode and this episode. And then when we get to the debate, um, I think maybe saying it a little more explicitly that like Taylor brings up Lisa's uh, shortcomings Mm -hmm. and uses that as a swing. And I think maybe she should also bring up Brian's. And like, I see. Yeah. Like it's what swings the vote to do this, but also she is absolutely using that to, to like get this done. Um, yeah. I mean, I would, so I, like, would I, I would agree. I would, I would put that in regardless of what we end up doing for the episodes. I think that's just good to have in there. Um, where you like, yeah, regardless, I think you absolutely put, put that in because I think that is a pretty consistent theme for her character. Yeah. I just going a little harder there. I think, I think you are right. I think, I think this one can go either one or two episodes. Well, and I think the other um, thing to remember too, cause we, have, we haven't talked about the fight yet, but it, w- reading fights takes a lot longer than watching them. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I think a lot of times, in all honesty, I think they drag too much. Like I'm trying to think right just right now. I mean, I haven't thought about this before, but I'm trying to think about like big fight scenes in television and how long they took yeah. in relation to the episode. 
And the only fight scene immediately that's coming to my mind that was really the full episode was in Game of Thrones, right? You have like the Battle of the Bastards or something like that. That yeah, that stretched the entire episode. But that fight was built for like three seasons. They built to it. Um, but really, I don't. Yeah. I don't see. I can't think off the top of my head here. I can't think of too many long fight scenes in television. I'm struggling to think of anything right now. So <laughs> we'll come back to um, it. I, I think. I think, however, in terms of pacing, Mm -hmm. most of these episodes are essentially go like this. Fighting episode, non-fighting episode, fighting episode, non-fighting episode. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, just almost every one of these, with the exception of this one here, which kicks off with them cleaning up the ABB, which potentially, you know, it, it really is a nothing. It's a at this point, it's kind of just exposition for Taylor and date to, or Taylor and Brian to go on a date mm-hmm. um, because of how low the stakes are in that case. Right. But I think having that, you know, having the calm before the storm and then the problem is you've got to have room on the back end of this fight for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if it's an hour, then yeah, we've got plenty of room, I guess. Um, it's just, it is going to be some odd pacing where the fight is kind of the dead middle of this. Right. Yeah. Well, and I mean, and that's, and, and yeah, we can kind of just skip, let's actually skip past the fight for a moment and we can kind of come back and, yeah, and work yeah. through it because you're right. Cause at the end, at the end of this arc, there's quite a lot that you have to fit in. You have to fit in, uh, meeting coil, uh, have that whole breakdown. And then of course the final, uh, conversation between intervention yeah exactly with with uh danny and taylor um and that is that is not those are both scenes that we really don't want to take away from because i think they're they're pretty pretty important um yeah so if you did break up if you did if you did split it and did the gala fight and everything after as an episode then maybe we put something else into the first, this part one of the episode, I guess, the first part with everything. Um, I mean, you could make the Bakuda thing bigger. Yeah, you could draw it out a little bit. I think even with that, though, I think, I feel like it's just a little too light, but maybe not. Maybe so it won't, say, it I work. Think, I think the conversation between, you're going to have a decent amount of conversations. You're going to mm-hmm. have uh, them fighting. You've got uh, Taylor and Lisa talking. Mm-hmm. You've got Taylor going back to her house, Taylor going to hang out with Brian, Mm -hmm. Taylor and Aisha, Taylor, you know, them sitting around talking to the, the caseworker. Well, and you know what? Um, Sorry. Well, yeah, finish, finish, finish the pacing here. And then, and then having, uh, the, the job talk, which, you know, I feel like will actually be a, not a decent amount of time, but like, that's a solid conversation right Mm -hmm. there between a lot of characters. Yeah. And and actually, this would be a pretty good episode to put any sort of extra scenes in that we want to. We want to flesh out some other characters because everything here is from Taylor's perspective, which I think will get a little repetitive and stale if we don't break it up. So this might be a good time to throw in a, a scene with the wards or with, 
Glory Girl and Panacea or with, um, you know, uh, Kaiser and, or, you know, something like that. So we could also... Yeah, no, Kaiser and Theo would be a great yeah, conversation. Exactly. So, so that's true, actually, especially if we, if we flesh it out and sort of just break up a little bit of the monotony of, the, um, of just everything being from yeah. Taylor's perspective, then yeah, I think you could flesh that out into a pretty, a pretty good meaty episode. Okay, well, let's, let's operate with that then for the time being. Okay, so yeah, so then cliffhanger being I them deciding. some more interludes to, to yeah, throw around. I was going to say, <laughs> this is going to be a little bit easier the more we read too, because as we read some of these other interludes, it's going to be, make it a little bit easier to move stuff around. Because um, yeah. my memory of, of everything to come is not complete. Yeah, I think, I think the, her storming out at the end mm-hmm. on Danny, like I think that's a winner. Oh yeah, I think that's really good. Yeah, um, and then if you wanted an opener for this, the birdcage interlude is going to be hard to place. Yeah, in in my mind, especially because we've talked a little bit off podcast about some upcoming events, I think you could rework the birdcage towards the end of our season one. Um, pretty easily and I don't want to get too into that just because I don't want to spoil some yeah. upcoming events here. But I do agree. Yeah. I think it's I think we're moving it somewhere somewhere else regardless. Yeah. Um and there's a few I ways to do it. Maybe we don't we don't uh, potentially we don't have anybody else other than Canary kind of star in this interlude. Mm-hmm. I think just having a montage of like her in the trial, you know, yeah. in the jail, in the trial, in the th- in the van, maybe talking to a another villain, or not, because mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure she have like a mouth thing on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and then ultimately Dragon talking to her, and then being like, "Yo, welcome to the birdcage," yeah, and then that's your ender or opener for an episode, yeah. I, I agree she, with that. A good opener. She says, you know, welcome to the birdcage. And then you have worms slapped right on it as she's like yep. descending the tubes. Yep. I agree with that. Um, and there's some other ways I'd want to work in uh, Lung and Bakuda and their bit in the birdcage. But I think, I think there's some yeah. ways to play around with that towards the end of the yeah. season. Um, yeah, yeah. But no, I agree. We'll move that around. And then in terms yeah. of... Let me see my notes here. In terms of the uh, the gala fight itself, again, not much I'd really want to change. I, I like a lot of the interactions. I like a lot of the the actual fight choreography there. Um, I think if anything, we just enhance the tension between Armsmaster and Taylor. Um, mm-hmm. Which I don't think was, is going to be that hard because it's already pretty thick. But uh, but yeah, I think that's the only thing I really like. Uh, I'm I'm a sucker for really simple imagery, right? So like, Star Wars is black and white, literally. It's are you the good guy? You and white. Are you the bad guy? You and black. Like sometimes the simple stuff yeah. just kind of works. And I really like in Worm. It's not simple. There's a lot of gray, but in terms of of like visual, uh what's the word I'm thinking of? Visual opposition. I like it being very yeah. clear who who's against who. And I like the idea, especially early on here with Armsmaster and Taylor, really sort of being 
each other's is, uh, you know, arch nemesis essentially. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so, and a lot of that builds to this moment here. So I think there's, there's a lot of room to sort of visually, and you know, that's, that's more for the director and the, uh, the DP and set designers and all that kind of stuff to have a lot of fun yeah, with costume design. Yeah, exactly. Have a lot of fun with, with fleshing that out. Um, yeah. yeah, there's some great moments there for a dynamic between those two. Yeah, I think uh, my biggest note here consistently was just like how, like showing off powers, mm-hmm. um, which will be continually the like, I think the big creative undertaking for, you know, whoever directs this or whatnot mm-hmm. is like, how do you show off these powers? And for now, they're relatively simple powers, but like we have assault and battery. And I think like having a slowdown moment to show that like one of them's charging up and then can transfer the power into the other one, Mm -hmm. thus making him, you know, this sort of combo team. Mm -hmm. And then also, you know, having both of battery and velocity are speedsters. And I think showing the difference in some visual way, maybe the Mm -hmm. other one kind of becomes transparent when they move. Right. You know, they they become right. ghostly and that what you know shows that they're sort of in this other state whereas battery is wholeheartedly there and maybe has the like i don't know the electricity going around them right you know yeah something like that yeah yeah again uh, a lot of room to creatively work for a whole team of talented directors I uh, would love to see what uh, what people come up with. Um, yeah, in terms and of I'm visualizing so that. excited to watch the velocity freakout scene. Yeah, yeah, that's gonna be that's <laughs> gonna be gold. Yeah, um, I mean, even little things like how how you depict the uh, containment foam, right? Um, yep. I think everyone who reads Worm probably has a slightly different visual image of what that looks like. So it's gonna be a lot of fun to sort of. Uh, sort of portray that, right? Uh, I mean, in my mind, it's just great stuff on steroids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, and that's the thing is like, it's got to be convincing and not look silly. But at the same time, it is it is kind of silly. It's just the very nature yeah, of it. It's, it's goop. Yeah. You're, yeah. Getting, you're getting slimed and then it hardens. Yeah. <laughs> if I may, I mean, the Incredibles um, scene where he gets yeah. shot by all those black... Oh yeah, Good things yeah. that expand. Mm-hmm. Yes, oh, that's, maybe yeah, that's pretty good. I like that. I do like. We that. always have to bring Incredibles into we each do. episode. I mean, it's the goat. That's true. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah. It is. I mean, we already standard. talked about suiting up and getting the new suits. That's right. Exactly. And I'm so excited because you know we're, we we got to get that at least once during a long season yeah. like this. You oh, don't yeah. just suit up once over oh. a long. Man. long thing like this. You got to suit up a couple times. We joked. We joked in the last part about how. Uh, it's a, it's sort of the nerdy thing amongst worm fans to classify other other heroes and other properties with the worm classification, but a uh, syndrome yeah. like probably a tinker tinker seven or eight, I would say. Oh yeah, you know, pretty solid tinker there. So yeah, was his traumatic moment when he got told <laughs> to go home, buddy? <laughs> that was his trigger. That's when his trigger event happened. Yeah, exactly. He was a pretty good inventor up to that point, obviously, but then yeah, then he definitely triggered and. uh <laughs> got a whole host of new powers. Oh, that's funny. Oh, man. Yeah, we'll come back to The Incredibles a bit, I'm sure. Yeah. And then, uh, so you have this moment of them, you know, given the, this was, you were right, this is the moment we, you know, this was over from the moment we stepped in this room. 
and then they dip. Mm-hmm. And I feel like the this is where I go again, like the pacing for having, you know, a uh, a two episode arc. Um, mm-hmm. As I'm looking through my notes here, probably also I will argue again fits better because you're gonna have this moment where they get away, they're high fiving, and then. Mm-hmm the second fight begins. Right. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's definitely more it kicks off and they got to, you know, it's, it's short, but you know, there is a little exposition of like, Oh, you thought mm-hmm. and you know, earbuds and all that. And they get in the fight. Well, then they have to run for it, mm-hmm. which ensues a third fight, which goes pretty damn quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, and just to, just to jump into here, this is again, I think, probably a, a place where we have to make some decisions about what we choose to show and not yeah. show. I think yeah. personally, uh, although I really like the team up between Armsmaster and Dauntless, Dauntless, right? Um, yeah, yeah. I think that it's pretty cool to read that. I think it makes way more sense when you're telling the story visually for just to replace Dauntless with Armsmaster here and just have him. Just arms master and a second arms master. I like where you're going. <laughs> yeah, he has, he's got both arms master. Um, uh, but just have arms master just just be that character. Have him catch up to him. Yeah. Have him have his contingencies built in. Have it look a little dire. He's pretty angry, and then Bamf travelers, you know, still have the whole same way they get rid of him. Same way they got rid of Dauntless. Just make it arms master. Um, yeah. I'll also add there. I think we nix. Uh, circus and is it train wreck? Uh, yes, I say. I think we just have uh, our travelers. I agree. Yeah, I agree. I think that makes a lot of Which, sense. I think the only ones that show up are what ballistic and um and uh, and ballistic and trickster. And trickster. Yep. Yeah. You, Which is enough. I I feel like. Oh, absolutely. I mean, re- you really just need uh trickster at the end of the day um to to battlefield removal here. Um, yeah, but yeah. I mean, you could start a with one combo. Yeah, well, go ahead. Oh. Go ahead. I would say a fun combo to get rid of him and show off the powers at the same time would be a ballistic launches a car <laughs> just away, mm-hmm. and then Trickster swaps Armsmaster in the car. Oh yeah, <laughs> I like the car. Like right. just he shoots him away, and then the car just shows back up, like slams into the ground, and right, the, right. I think it's like where where where's he going? He's like wherever the car was. <laughs> I like that. That's good, actually. I like that a lot. Oh yeah, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Um, yeah, definitely a lot of ways you could do that. I think I think for that scene too, it's helpful to have less characters because we of course get the big reveal with Coil stepping out of the shadows, and we want a lot of the attention on him. And we've already mm-hmm. we've gotten a little bit of introduction to the travelers already, so they're not totally out of the blue, right? So I think that helped that works yeah. as well. So it's not the audience gets a little flare, like, oh, that's pretty cool, yada yada. And then the rest of the episode can play out um with Coil sort of taking up the majority of the attention as he should. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um because he monologues for a bit and he I does. think I think it's pretty good though. Uh because you know, Arms Master to this point has in the background kind of been our nemesis. Mm-hmm. Um, and still is, but you know, we're constantly trying to figure out who the big bad is. Yep. Um, 
you know, it was Lung. Arms Master's this consistent threat. And now we have the answer to the who was our boss. Mm-hmm. It's Coil. And Coil is our stereotype evil mastermind. Right. But that brings in the question like, hey, you have two choices. You have Arms Master, who is allegedly our good organizer of good things in the city. Mm-hmm. Or you have Coil, who's the bad guy you know, organizing bad things, who's better for the city? I think having them back to back is pretty good, especially when Coiled, mm-hmm. you know, wipes the floor with them essentially. Yep. And is like, hey, do you really want to join the losing side? Right. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. Also, I like the idea of, you know, having the travelers kind of be exclusive there because it it almost builds up this idea that the travelers are, um, Kind of like his bodyguards a little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like th- they're obviously closer and more in tune with what Coyle's got going on, mm-hmm. which automatically brings in that, uh, not, not anxiety, but like the tension that like, hey, one day this is going to be a team V team throwdown. Mm-hmm. And more so than we felt like, I don't think we felt like that with Fallout, even though right. fall, Fallout is, or not Fallout, yeah. Fault line. Uh, fault line's <laughs> openly yeah. Anta- yeah. Oh, even though fault line's openly antagonistic towards Tattletale. Yeah. Like I, I don't think we ever felt like that was going to be a team v team battle. Right. You kind of maybe feel like that with the with uh, the the Empire eighty eight, but it almost feels incidental. Mm-hmm. Like like maybe you're not going to have a full team v team. Like you'll go one v one or maybe like a team v one. But this feels like, hey, you know, here's a group of people that we might have to tangle with. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, even though they haven't shown any sort of hostility, they give a weird vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, and having them with Coil, I think, plays into that. You know, if we run awry of this, we're going to have to fight them. Um, and it, it works too because the travelers do feel like they sort of parallel the undersiders in many ways. Um, and it, yeah. and, and even reading, and obviously they're relevant throughout the story uh, a bit, so we're not going to spoil anything, but um, they feel like they, they could have been roped into that group of characters that Wildbow has alluded at, where he was like, you know, I didn't know for a while who, the, who my protagonist was going to be. Um, it wasn't always Taylor from the beginning. He had been working with a few different characters and kind of what stories he wanted to tell. And it definitely feels like the Travelers was probably in that conversation from the little we know. Yeah. Um, which is great because I think that really helps sort of gives gives them a lot of character. And I think it's it's fun to see. It's almost like the Travelers are are a few weeks further in the story than the Undersiders are. Like they've they already mm-hmm. they've met Coil, right? They're already on board, and our undersiders are kind of getting there. So it's like giving us an idea of what to expect from our from our main characters, which is kind of fun. Um, but then, yeah, of course, like you said, sort of sort of building towards uh, what feels like a confrontation of some kind as well. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think making that simplifying that scene a bit, just in terms of who's there, is going to help a lot with the pacing because. Again, I think this is one of those cases where we want our character to monologue, where 
um, yeah, this is this is the type of place where you're going to put in some exposition just right into the dialogue, and that's okay because that's where it needs to be. Like you got to fit it in some places, and and this is the type of type of scene where you're going to put some exposition in, but it makes sense. It's it's going to be needed. Yeah. So I think that works. Yeah. A second thought that I've I think I've discussed with you is um, potentially moving the mystery of coil back right uh, right to the end of this season because we've we've had them deal with it like had this sort of mystery i don't think we've played it up strong enough Mm -hmm. um so that's something need to fix while we're writing like having this mystery of like who the hell is this person Mm -hmm. like um you know playing that up with the tension of like hey arms master i've almost figured out who this person is Mm -hmm. i just need you to give me more time right um just sort of stressing that. Yeah. And then I don't know if now is the time to have that reveal. Yeah. Or maybe even next arc. Um, yeah. Next arc almost feels like it's the right time because then it, then it really brings in the crux of like, Hey, we're about to like, I know who it is and I've got to make this decision. Mm-hmm. And I think because we don't have the internal monologue, we could still have Taylor be conflicted until the end of the season. Right. Where she has in the second to last episode or whatnot, finds out who, you know, that Coyle is the boss, but at the same time, you know, is still on the fence about it until events happen later. And then is like, yeah, you know what? No. Yeah. No, I'm fine. I'm fine kind of playing around with that just because I can't remember the exact details of the next couple arcs. Um, let's definitely put yeah. a pin in that and come back to it. And I think it would work really well to kind of end the season with that. And it doesn't change too much of this moment too, because instead of just doing a coil reveal, you just have the travelers save them, say they're working for the same boss, right? Kind of make that up. Exactly. Do something like that. Hey, you know. Yeah. We're all on the same. And I side think that here. adds to it. It's like okay, yeah. if the travelers are working for our our same boss, then how many other people are also right? You know, on the payroll. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, you could definitely keep keep the scene relatively unchanged um, and still play around with it. But yeah, let's definitely put a pin in that because I think it would work later on. I just want to make sure we're not overloading a season finale. You know. Um, yeah. but I definitely like the idea of delaying it. Well, I think if we take out if we take out the coil thing, I think that helps uh, abridge the episode true. to make it fit better as one whole oh, episode. True, true. Um, That's true taking well. out that and finishing on going home and dealing with Danny. And dealing with Danny. Yeah. That's a good point too, actually. Okay. You know, which which honestly, as I think about the pacing of like tension in this, mm-hmm. it is a lot of up and down waves for this episode. Mm-hmm. Um you have the, you know, starting off with the fight that maybe starts out easy, but then you have to deal with Bakuda, so it rises up, but then we finish and we win. So the tension's relieved. And then immediately you have the like going over and dealing with Brian, but then mm-hmm. like the caseworker and Aisha show up and you know, right. she's right. trying not to reveal that. And, oh, like, look at all this going on. Aisha right. knows and all that. So it goes up a little, and then you go back, and it's the job and the whole tense conversation of the job again. 
of you know than voting. Tension goes up again mm-hmm. as Taylor swings the vote back down. Shows mm-hmm. up the, at the uh, gala. They kick ass at the beginning. Everything's going easy, but tension spikes up when you know things happen. Regent gets caught. You know it goes back down. It goes back up. Right. Then they get away, allegedly. So you're going down. Right. No, you're not. They get ambushed. Goes up. They get away another time. You know they're right. safe. We've got it back to where we're, our escape plan is. No, you're not. It's back up. Then the travelers show up, kick his ass. You know the tension goes back down. You think you're finally at a resting point, <laughs> and then she goes home. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're like, as soon as you walk in the door, you you like you know. Mm-hmm. Fuck, this isn't over. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's, you know, it's not that arms masters at the house. It's your dad's there. Right. And that's so much worse. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, that's a good point. Like it would be better if just arms master showed up. Yeah. You know. That's a good point. Um and again, the the confrontation with Danny uh, again will move a bit quicker on screen than it is when you read it too. So um there's the the tension is going to be pretty immediate. Um, but I, I agree. I like, I, I, that's a good observation. I think it's a, it makes for a, this is not a, a, a negative remark, but it's going to be a very exhausting episode where there's just, it just, it takes effort to watch, right? Where it's a lot of up and down. Like you said, a lot of, of uneasiness throughout, which I think is sort of a theme we've been putting into this is just that general sense of, of tension and uh, uneasiness that that spreads throughout the show, I think works really well. Yeah, um, I think it just combines with Taylor's power. Like, I mean, just in a, in a in a broader sense, like in my mind, a lot of the underlying soundtrack of the show is going to have a lot of like hums and buzzes, like insects kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to sort of uh, enhance and elevate those moments. Uh, but yeah, no, I agree. I, I think I think that works pretty well. And I mean, obviously, yeah. ending whatever episode we choose to split it or not, ending an episode on that moment with Danny is just going to be a beautiful gut punch <laughs> for yeah. for anyone watching. Yeah, I think I think with that being the ending, I think we got to move the canary not even to the beginning or end of this, mm-hmm. and not even the beginning of the next one. Mm-hmm. Or ending a next, I think it might have to get moved like completely to some other place. Yeah, um, because of the fact that like we're trying to keep Lung out of the cage for right now, mm-hmm. and maybe you have. I, I thought about replacing the roles with like uh, having Oni Lee caught with Bakuda, mm-hmm. and you know Bakuda killing him in order to get out, but then realizing like there's no escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, that way, Bakuda's still in there. Right. Um, and still alive for use later on because she's an interesting character. Yeah. Um, and Oni Lee's interesting, has an interesting power, but in- Oni Lee does not have a personality. Yeah, very uh, much so. Right. It's, so, yeah. you know, no need to show that off. Right. Really. We could keep Bakuda around, keep Lung out of jail, and have Canary in there. Yeah. Um, I think that's a great start to some other area maybe even in season two 
Yeah, um, there's a. There's I just a few can't ways. see it fitting well. Yeah, I, th- I think maybe we just and again we yeah put we'll put a pin in it too. Um, we're kind of approaching um, sort of our agreed upon end to season one. So I think when we get there, there's going to be some things maybe we're, when we kind of come back and look at everything where we're like, oh, this works better if we just take it out of the season or, oh no, we really do need this in season one so that it makes sense later on. You know, so things like that I think we'll play around with. I think there are some ways we can make the birdcage work. I do, I'd love to include it if we have the space for it, but I agree it should be on the chopping block if we have to, if we have to get to that point. Um, but I like, uh, slowly alluding to it periodically in earlier episodes. Um, I think alluding to it and also showing specifically when Taylor starts to run afoul of the law, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, th- and that's this is what happened. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think it is important to have like to show the consequence uh, of, of their actions. Like, because they, they talk about that a lot. They're like, oh, we're going to get sent to the birdcage, yada, yada. And even though the Undersiders are criminals, very clearly, they're also very clearly not nearly at the level of Lung and these other criminals that we know of, right? So, mm-hmm. but the birdcage mm-hmm. is, is doesn't, doesn't really worry about that. You are a criminal villain. There you go. Like, that's just what it is. There's, this, there's black and white. There's no degrees of... Of punishment, you just you either go to the birdcage or or you're a good guy. So uh, yeah. I think it's I think it's important to have that established. Just that the hey, there's a way of dealing with villains, uh, and so we, we we'll see. I think it could work to just push it off to the to another season. But I also think with Lung's character, I think it makes sense to end the season for him um, in the birdcage. So. There's there's ways we can play around with it. I think I think we'll I'm making a note here on on my sheet, but I definitely want to revisit that in terms of whether we not whether or not we think we have the the time and space to put it in the first season or not. Yeah. All right. Well, um, yeah, I don't need to, I, I'm out of stuff. I don't have anything else with this arc. I did have one question for you, and I actually mentioned this to you earlier. Not on the podcast here. Oh boy. Um, no, this is just just uh, I'm, I'm making a tally. Uh, especially as we approach the end of our season one and looking at themes and things we want to remain consistent across the season. Um, I asked you, I know I said, what's a, what's like a, what's a, what's a theme that you have, uh, so far. And you gave a pretty good answer. Remember what you gave? Oh, shoot. Uh, <laughs> I'm putting I you on the spot. don't remember. So you, you had said, um, the first one that came to mind is the perception of threat. And I mm. really liked that. And I kind of, I, I tweaked, because it, it kind of went along with one of the themes that I had, which I think kind of goes hand in hand, yeah, um, is the illusion of power. Um, mm. And I think those kind of go hand in hand. And uh, I think there's a lot of moments already that we can sort of enhance those and I, I think it works really well in this arc, um, both with Armsmaster and Taylor and everything that goes on with that fight and also with Coil. You know, obviously, if we change the reveal, it's going to change a little bit. But I guess the only question I had was, is there anything else you can think of in relation to that? Any ways we want to address those or enhance those? 
types of themes uh, at this point? Or is this something we want to try to finish up season one and then as we kind of come back and review everything, sort of take a big picture look and see what we can tweak? I think it's a big picture look um, because I think on one hand, the most basic perception of threat you can look at for me is like uh, everything with bitch. It's Mm -hmm. the most obvious. Um, Yeah. And then on a big scale, you know, we'd be looking at Taylor and the way she acts under perceived threats. Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not something that I feel like is really apparent in your kind of uh, individual and maybe not individual actions, but your episodes as a whole, like that do- isn't really apparent to Taylor. True, um, right. Like she doesn't show that as much. And for other characters, I don't think it, like it's there, but because of the fact that it's hidden, it isn't revealed until the end of this season, as it were. Right, right. Yeah, okay, good point. So, good point. All right, we'll put a pin on that too. We'll come back. Uh, we'll come back to that. But that's something I definitely want to keep in mind, especially as we as we sort of clean up and edit these episodes, is just thinking in terms of, of season-long arcs that we want to, or season-long themes, rather, that we want to influence the arcs, um, the story yeah, arcs. Yeah, no, I think that's a really good theme for this season in particular. Mm-hmm. And while it still applies to all the other seasons, I think the later seasons will definitely have their own distinct themes that are there. Oh, yeah. That are not as, um, I, you know, I have to look at them, but I, I think they'll be different. As, as they should. And, and I think that's a, that's a really important way that good television shows maintain engagement across seasons is keeping the seasons... You're, you're still telling the story, right? You're still telling the same story. You're, you're continuing the story, but the seasons need to feel uh, different. They need to feel unique, right? In a lot of ways, I think the, the, mm-hmm. the best shows that do that well do have those unique themes per season. Um, Stranger Things, I think, does that phenomenally. You know, maybe the perfect uh, example that I can think of. Um, but yeah, so I think we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that. We'll, we'll keep that in mind making sure that we have sort of consistent themes across, uh, across the seasons here. Um, but other than that, I think, I think that just about does it for Arc 6. As always, yeah. anyone who's been listening, we, we greatly appreciate it. This is a lot of fun. We're going to continue with Arc 7 in the next episode. And let us know what we missed. Do you agree with the things we've chosen to cut? Any characters you think we missed or should also be removed? And any ideas for themes? We'd love to hear what you guys think. Uh, especially those of you who have read uh, read Warm a bit and can think sort of big picture like that. What are some um, some themes and, and concepts that definitely need to be addressed within this first uh, hypothetical season of television that we're putting on? Uh, but thanks again for listening. And uh, Alan, it was a pleasure as always. We'll see you next time. Always a pleasure, Jacob. <laughs> and uh, Michael, you can you can play us out. Thank you so much for listening. Read along with us at parahumans.wordpress.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts. What did you love? What did you hate? Anything you think we missed, etc. as long as it's kind. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find us on Twitter, Threads, Instagram, TikTok, and Reddit at Brockton Bay BC or click the link in the description.